Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm back after Six Nations, round number two. JB, fresh from the Grand somewhere, was it? Grand Massif. Grand Massif, France. Uh, I don't know where I went. I, gen- I, I mean, I do know where I went, but I can't say any of the names. Morley? Morzine. Is it? Is that how you say it? Uh, well, there is a place uh, there is definitely, not too I, far I from Geneva place. called Morzine. But yeah, I went to celebrate my mother's 60th, so she took us all to an all-inclusive, which was lovely. Love, I've never done an all-inclusive. It, neither have I. I didn't think I think that I would enjoy it. Have uh, you got on, got on the scales? Oh, oh, God, I'm dreading it. <laughs> <laughs> I am dreading it. I, I tried to list out all the food that I had on the first day. Now, I, saw, I slowly <laughs> calmed down. But like, even the breakfast, like the breakfast, I, I went there with the intention of having a scrambled egg on toast. That's nice. Yep. Everyone likes scrambled egg on Tim. Everywhere you went was powdered pepper. I nearly tweeted you. Oh, God. Everywhere, powdered in pepper. France. In France. Oh, that's outrageous. Isn't it? Isn't it? They should know better than that. Uh, but yeah, every time I'd get my scrambled egg, and then I'd go get a massive ha- handful of that, you know, continental bacon. It's not actual bacon. It's like the streaky, very thin mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And then a load of hash browns, and then go back for uh, oh. go back for muesli, and then a, you know, a frothy coffee of some description. <laughs> I probably did 2,000 calories before, before the slopes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Phil is also here. Hello, Tim. In a, in a unique low top that's very en français as well. It is a bit en français. It looks like French stash. I will. More Italy after today's game. Well, this was the colour that they were, of, of course. course, wearing. Uh, now, uh, we are at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Um, we are going to be talking about Twitter. We've got lots to talk about, in fact. So let me broadly just run over the areas we're going to cover in the podcast today. Obviously, the three games in the Six Nations. The spectre of South Africa joining the Six Nations to make it seven. Or, or however eight. many or whatever is going to go on there. So we'll, we'll cover that off. We will cover, as I say, Twitter and the absolute shit show it has become <laughs> uh, with Wargate, Sausagegate, Beergate. By the way, huh? What was Sausagegate? Uh, what well, was Ellis Genge referring to the detractors of England after last week as sausages? Um, I think various <laughs> members of the press, possibly you. you, you might be king of the sausages. Yeah, <laughs> sausage king. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd happily wear that distinguished crown after a week in France as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll cover that off, and then there was one more as well. What did we say? Well, uh, Finn, Finn Russell. Oh, Finn Russell. So, yes. the Saracens have got. Okay, oh more, yeah, more, more, Saracens. more, more punishment Saracens beatings. <laughs> more, more Saracens. News. More administrative errors from Saracens. <laughs> yeah. 
But Poor let's, Saracen. But let's try and start with the positive. And th- there were few to kind of pick out if you were looking for an advert for the game of rugby over the weekend, largely due to the conditions. But let's start with Ireland against Wales. Yeah. And the big positive, once again, to follow on from last week's podcast for me, is just An- Andy Farrell, sartorially, is just in such... On our, such a, a peak form at the moment. It's interesting because... Alluring. Uh, it, it is uh, alluring. Alluring. It is definitely alluring and intriguing. Intriguing. It's very, very and intriguing. slightly arousing, I might, <laughs> I might add. What's going on? Have you just... Uh, <laughs> what's going on here? No, no, no. no nothing's nothing, nothing's all. Nothing. Um, so I was observing Andy Farrell and I had exactly the same thoughts as you, Tim. And then um, Joe Worsley was doing the oh, yeah. France-Italy game. Now... Was he? Oh, I was watching French he, TV, that's why. He okay. was... He was um, looking a little bit older, still looks hard, but looking quite a lot older. He certainly looked a good 10 or 15 years older than Andy Farrell. Are they the same age? He's, uh, Joe Worsley's two years younger than Andy Farrell. Yeah, but Joe Worsley actually made lots of tackles. Andy Farrell played rugby league oh, for like God, 15 he did, yeah. years. Yeah, what am I talking about? <laughs> Andy Farrell probably made more tackles in two years. <laughs> yeah. And Andy Farrell's been a father since age 16. 16. He's, had, he's, had, he's had more than his fair share of kind of stresses and strains. So mm. considering all of that stuff, Andy Farrell's looking remarkably well. He's looking very, very well. That's, yeah. That was the big plus. Also, a really good performance from Ireland, I think. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting how muted alluring. the kind of... <laughs> it, it is alluring how... Uh, oh, I see. Your alternative words for interesting. What's going on there? What's the story there? Well, so, so, someone tweeted us and said, well, I'm an English teacher. I don't like your wor- uh, the use of the word interesting. So here's a list of other words to use. <laughs> so yes, it was enthralling. Please continue. <laughs> It is enthralling to see the the response from some outlets in Ireland, and we'll talk about the media in England in a little bit, but it, it seems quite muted. The, the way that Joe Schmidt left the job, there was a lot of people being quite negative on him. I understand it was a poor World Cup, but mm. the guy was amazing for Ireland. And Andy Farrell has just got two wins from two. And he's, and still it feels a bit <sighs> muted. I, I there think is something, There's something I don't like about this Ireland team. And I don't, I can't quite put my finger on it. The, the best thing I can think of is I think Ireland are playing a little bit like a miniature England. It's all about power. Uh, then you know the captain is the captain's a fly half. They've got an outside back who's a, a little bit magical, and that's it really. They feel a bit stilted, in my in my opinion. It's, it is. Um, Arresting bonus point. Uh, bonus in, point. Intriguing. Yes. You take that position, G. Bonus point victory. <laughs> yeah. In, in, against Wales. I don't think Wales are very good. I mean, Wales. The error count for Wales was off the off the charts. So I mean, Wales. Wales' error count. That is. So Wales. It's clear they are trying to do something different. Yes. Not, not majorly yet, but certainly their offloading game, which caused a huge number of errors, but also caused uh, the Thomas Williams try. So th- they have changed their strategy. Mm. Ireland, I don't think, have hugely changed their strategy. No. They had a couple of nice plays where they went very wide very early some really good hands from the back but besides that and um, Andy Farrell has even alluded to this in one of his press conferences I can't remember which one but they've not changed that much he, his own words were we've built on what the foundations that, that Joe has laid yeah and it's weird to think where has that foundation ended so if you think about Ireland beating the All Blacks in Chicago and then subsequent to that, some of the rugby they played was just outstanding. 
then you think of him coming into the World Cup, they went back into their shell. And I can see where he's coming from, saying we built on those foundations. The problem is those foundations just aren't that exciting. And I think they just battered Wales. I mean, this is weirdly one of those situations where Ireland get the win, and it's a good, it is a good win, because it's a bonus point win. So let's just put that to one side. But I don't think they are a brilliant side. They look a lot like England. And as for Wales... I thought Wales were, well, I mean, this is pre-Gatland rugby. This is pure pre-Gatland rugby. Loads and loads of promise, no, no, no real substance. So, on Ireland, I think you are, based on these two results, being a little bit harsh. I think Ireland have been good. Mm. Um, and good prob- it, good in the same way that the foundations of what Joe Schmidt laid for them allowed them to beat the All Blacks twice, and be team of the year in 2018, mm. win everything before them, Grand Slam, <laughs> away tour <coughs> win, and beating the All Blacks. They're some way off the 2018 Ireland, though, aren't they? We don't know yet. We've seen two games. In their first game, they definitely were. Mm. In their second game, they got a bonus point win, exactly as you said, Tim, at home to Wales, which is, is no well is no mean feat based on Wales's most recent outings before this tournament. Including a narrow, narrow defeat in a World Cup semi-final to the eventual champions. Yes. Yeah. Wales, you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, yeah but Wales we, are a different... It's a, different we don't, it's a different time now. No, we don't time. know. I, I'm still, I've still not made my mind up on Wales. I, I like the ambition of their offloading game, and I like some of the stuff they've done. Whether they've got the right skill set for it to actually pay dividends in the long term, I have not come to that and conclusion And also, yet. context is everything here. There was a World Cup in November... This is the time to roll the dice, try things, because you can always go back from that position. And you that, can never go back to Gatland. And, and that's why, <laughs> and that's why last week, uh, that's why last week I was trying to sort of temper all the negativity around Tom Curry being tried at number eight, and I was trying to um, temper a lot of that shit because it's, it's we've only just had a World Cup. If you're going to try something, try it now. Yeah, I, I don't see any trouble with that. I mean, I would actually look at that and say. If that is the case, Ireland or and England, well, actually, just let's go with Ireland for now. Ireland are very conservative because this doesn't look to me as if this is a team trying anything other than yeah. just let's win the next game, let's get back on the horse. But then it's a it's an older team as well, and you wonder like, well, taking your logic, Tim, shouldn't they really? I mean, I do think I agree with this as well. Should they not be trying something? Well, I think that I think in the sense they've said in a couple of positions, right, Jordan Lama, you're the man. Yeah, Let, let's yeah. See, let's see how that changes our attack. Turns out he's awesome. Andrew, Work, Andrew Conway, so you're taking over from Keith Earls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so two of their back three are a little bit changed. We don't know how the centre partnership will will marry up in the World Cup. They were doing a bit more two big lads, but they're sort of you, you think with ring rows there. They might also so perhaps they're did, did Henshaw did Henshaw start or come off the bench? No, Henshaw started. He came he off the bench week. last week yeah. because ring yeah. rows had surgery on his hand midweek. But, ah, in, the, but in the World right. Cup, it was uh, largely Henshaw and Aki, wasn't and it? Aki. They mixed it up a little bit, yeah. but yeah. When, it, when it was their biggest game, it was it was Aki Henshaw. Mm. So actually, if you think about Conway Lama, ring rows, 13, 14, 15, that is evolving potentially yeah, yeah. evolving their attack. And they they tried with Caelan Doris at number eight. Yes, for two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes. Yes, two and a half minutes before they they changed that. Went do, back do we, to the do old we know place. if he's okay? Will, will he be back for next game? I, I would assume, yeah, he'll be. So they had a week turnaround. Mm. I would assume he'll come back for the yep. next one. Now let's just talk about the game a second, right? Because yep. this game got to half time, and I actually thought Wales had by far the better half. 
in the first half. Yeah. The reason being is Ireland had so much territory. They did. They yeah. gave away. Well, they got a very lucky try. And I say lucky try. I mean, you don't. Yeah, it's lucky in terms of. I don't think that try happens if Sean Edwards is still there and Nick Tompkins isn't playing. The Lama try. The try was an absolute defensive disgrace. It just it was one missed tackle. Yeah. One missed tackle that cost it. And then it, Wales, with hardly any possession, turn it on, score, and you think, hang on a minute, this could be quite an easy day for Wales. And then Ireland turn on the power game, and then they score, and then they don't stop scoring after that. But in the first half, I thought, actually, you know, it was going OK. But that is exactly what I mean. Wales will show a lot of promise now. And then there's you, no substance. You would have taken, from Wales's perspective, you would have taken that scoreline at half-time, given how little ball they had. Mm. Yeah. But then the way that Wales are playing now with this, um, the fast offloading game is the notable change that I mentioned before. Reckless offloading game. Well, it is at times, it, it, at times because you're having um, support runners going so fast and taking the contact and then trying to offload... It feels like a bit of a gamble. And isn't it weird that maybe one of the best the best players at doing this offloading game is Alan Wynne-Jones, who you don't really think of as an offloader. I know. He did two spectacular in, in that game, two brilliant ones in that game. And I genuinely thought, have I ever seen Alan Wynne-Jones yeah, offload exactly before? Yeah, I thought exactly the same thing. I was like, <laughs> huh, look at that. <laughs> Roof on at the Principality, you can imagine. Uh, well, I think they're going to be a match for anybody. Uh, do you not think, like going back to the uh, evolution, there are some players that just need to be... Um, looked at again because I don't think Toby Faletau of all people fits this game plan you'd have thought Toby Faletau would be amazing at this turns out he was incredibly quiet so he has had two very very quiet games he only had a couple of games back fit yeah. for, for Bath after six months out so I'm not I su- wonder if it's too early for him then I'm not surprised he's taking a bit of time to get up to speed I'd be tempted is um, Navidi not fit? no he's not right okay because I would be tempted Navidi would be He'd be great for this, yeah. Tipperick's Wainwright, Navidi. No. With then Falata off the bench when it breaks down and you can put 20 minutes in. Did I, any of you have any problems with um, Ireland's breakdown performance? Um, I thought the refing was fairly oh, laissez-faire. Um, so, it's the same last week with the England game against France. I was so frustrated at the way the breakdown was officiated and it just led to... Um, just a, a mess, and England didn't adapt to it last week, and Wales didn't really come to terms with it. Well, so they didn't come to terms with it at all, did, did they? I don't have a problem no. with the refing. The refing is the refing. Well, it? the refing is, is what it is. Yeah. Which well, I mean, deal that, with it, boys. And, 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 and that's the bit actually. And, and just very briefly to, to break into that, that would be one of my biggest takeaways from this game is Roman Poit. The one failure he had was not nipping in the bud. The amount of whinging. <laughs> My goodness me, Johnny Sex. I mean, Johnny Sexton and Dan Bigger are the worst at it. Yeah. Full yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah. However, they're only they're only doing it because they're allowed to do it. Yeah, yeah. Roman Poit gives a gives a penalty against him, gives one of them a yellow card. It, it doesn't will, happen it anymore. Stop. It'll stop see. straight away. They, the amount of whinging and appealing was I just didn't off see Dan the Bigger scale. Doing much, and I'll tell you why. Because Cause you're well, because you love him. Well, I do love him. There is Cognitive no dissonance is why. Yeah, and, and also I have the sound off. So um, uh, okay, I don't have to mention this. I was, I was in club club medal all week, and one thing they will not allow their guests to do is listen to uh, watch sport with the sound on. That's just an absolute no. Um, so I have no idea. I could see a lot of finger pointing and angry expe- expressions on sex. People though. turning to an assistant referee with doing the shrug. Yeah. So and, and that's another reason I don't think Saxon should really be captain. I don't think, or maybe he should because he gets more leeway to do it. Well, he did quite. He did quite a good job at being in Poit's ear all the time. It was just God. I just wanted Poit to say, Johnny, 
Go away. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, I can see that. Talk in that way again, and you'll be marched back 10. Yeah. Um, but just on the point of the breakdown. Yeah. So I was fascinated to get to the end of the game and observe that there was no three-point penalties were kicked. Mm. So I, I, re- really? I re-watched the game today with that in my mind. And Ireland turned down a couple yep. and went for the corner, yeah. one successfully, but not, not many. It wasn't like Exeter Chiefs did a, f- a couple of years ago where they turned down everything and went to the corner. Or like Scotland. But, but we'll or, or yeah. But what I observed was um, Roman Poir, he was very in favour, seemed to be very in favour of the defensive team once um, it was in the defensive team's red zone when there was infringements in the rook. The penalty always went in favour of the defending team wow. rather than the offensive team, which is an, an unusual way to do it. More mm. frequently, the the benefit of the doubt would go to the offensive team. Sorry, um, if you heard some sort of shopping noise, JB is just lying down <laughs> like <laughs> Titanic, yeah, like one yeah. of the French girls. Kate Winslet. Like exactly, Kate Winslet. there we go. <laughs> it's a good oh, look for you. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, yeah no, it's, a good, it's, a good, it's an interesting point. I didn't, I didn't clock that. Honestly, three point penalties. I mean, I was watching this with my with my little brother, who's not exactly a rugby aficionado, but he likes it, likes it a little bit. And I thought Wales missed so many opportunities just to bang over three. Just, I mean, they could have stayed in the fight, just like the old, the old Warren Gatland teams uh, would have. And right at the end, they'd be in a position to win it, but they carried on going for the corner or going for a scrum or doing something. And I think they just need to take the points. So I don't think they actually had that many kickable penalties. They had three. Did they? Yeah, I counted three, which they could have, you know... And they have Lee Halfpenny on the field, too. So and that bigger. It was windy. It wasn't mm. perfect conditions. So that did reduce the area that was... A, that, where you could have had a... In the second half Wales, penalty. particularly. Um, I did think... So Wales would have been very much in this game after 60-odd minutes had Hadley Parks... Um, put the ball down. Yeah, now yeah. that's not a try. I'm, I'm with you. No, I don't, it's not. I don't think it's not a try. I don't think it's a try. No. But if if he scores that, and Which it's very fine margins that he mm. didn't score it, that would have been 14-19 with 20 minutes to go, and Wales very much in the ascendancy. It's yeah. a good point, and we're seeing it else. We're seeing it in other competitions. It's happening in the Premiership a lot. Um, people going for going for the risky seven. Not, not a safe if three. You're, if you are very confident that you are the better team, by all means, go for the seven. Mm. If you are not confident and you're playing away from home, get your, get your points. Well, 100%. Test match rugby, take your points. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, why play those amazing players, those amazing kickers, and not use them? So I was disappointed. Very disappointed. Mm. Uh, Hadley Pox. Um, there seems to be some contention here that he grounded it with his finger. I think we know enough, or we have enough... Cases of tries been scored and not scored to know that that is definitely not a try. Yeah, I think he. I think he'd fully lost control. Yeah, there's, and, there's, a, there's and a debate. Contact. There's a debate, and it's a very short, quick debate where you say, "No, nope. not a try." Yeah, I do love Hadley Park. So I just want to add that to conversation. I do love Hadley Park so much. I thought he was superb. He's just, just a, he's just a bloke, isn't he? He's just a guy off the street, which they put in a red shirt, and he tries really, really hard. Yeah. But he, that's the thing. He does. He tries so hard. Every carry is full bore. I his, know. And, but his skill set, when he needs it, is really, really good as well. What like his clearance kick? That was utter <laughs> madness, and not his fault. I, I might add. Not his fault. Like, what are they doing giving the ball to Hadley Parks in that position? Because I think Jared Evans is at the bottom of the ruck somewhere. I like him. I've never seen him play. 
<laughs> I've never seen him play because he plays. Who does he play for? Cardiff Blues or someone? You know, I was going to say Dragons, but. Does anyone play for Dragons? Uh, Moriarty. Moriarty plays. Yeah, well, he plays for someone that I don't he plays, watch. He plays for a team. Yeah. And I, just, I, I, I like this attitude. I like, I like the way that he plays. Cardiff, he is Cardiff Blues. Mm. Yeah, I do. Shows, shows what I know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my John, John Evans breakdown. Quite like him. Um, who else stood out for you? So, Lama, Lama going forward. Yeah, uh, The Irish scrum, I, I loved. I thought they just... Uh, and also the tactical changes. When they bought on their replacement props, I thought it was um, pretty good. Yeah, Kil- Kilcoin is a good man to have on yeah. the bench. Very uh, they changed their loose head uh, about on the 60-minute mark, and then they just proceeded to murder the Welsh scrum. And you can see it almost every time. I mean, I saw the first scrum after they made the, the substitution, I thought, hmm, he looks like he's struggling now. And then the second one, he goes long in the legs, falls on his face, and then after that, it's all, it's all island. Mm. Um, that will be an interesting battle in a couple of weeks' time, because the England scrum has been going very, very well. Mm. It's clear after appointing Proudfoot, the um, F- South African World Cup winning forwards coach, to England, they've been spending a lot of time on their scrummaging. And they look good as well. The England scrum is good. The thing is, I do like the England props, but I don't think they're the thoroughbreds that the Irish props are. In terms of scrummaging? Yeah. 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 I think well, the Irish props are superb. Let's hold off on that. I'll tell you what... Um, Let's jump away from that particular game. There might be things we touch on again in relation to Ireland-Wales. But let's jump on to what happened between the last podcast and England against Scotland against England at Murrayfield. Starting with, um, you know, just a a midweek media session that Lewis Ludlam took part in, in which, following on from Eddie Jones using a word brutality... Um, mm-hmm. Which before the French game seemed reasonable to me. That seemed like pretty normal. It's a pretty brutal sport. It's a pretty brutal it? sport. Yes. <laughs> the, the the worst thing about Eddie Jones using the words brutal was because of he was intending it to be England brutalising the French yes. instead of the French brutalising the English. Quite. And then Lewis Ludlam had an interview, and I think Sam Johnston was it had said about um, made a comment about you know oh yeah obviously in rugby terms the. English hate the Scottish, Scottish hate the English, or whatever. So that was a backdrop. I think. Yeah. It was, uh, forgive me if I'd got the ne- whoever it was. Wrong. I think it was Sam Johnson. L- Lewis Ludlam was asked about it, and he said, "Oh well, you know, you know what it's like. Scotland hate the English, England, England hate the, the England hate Scotland. We're, we're getting ready for a war out there." I mean, there was- and, and that caused so many voices in rugby to. It's a Twitter oh. thing. I'm sure it's a Twitter thing. I think you're right. I, 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 it can't be anything else. I am convinced of it as well. Yeah, there, there doesn't, uh, this sort of behaviour does not occur in real life. You know, it, <laughs> it's it's bizarre. And then the behaviour about a sort of bed bedwetting about what an, what a yeah, heinous thing to do this is. How dare you? A, in fact, a, we, we need to get game. we need to get a little button with Greta Thunberg. Yeah, how, how, how dare, dare you? you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, so the problem with it is, and I didn't want to talk about Twitter because you could actually watch all the rugby this weekend. Listen to this and think: Is this a podcast about Twitter or is it a podcast <laughs> about rugby? But the reason it's problematic, a woke term there, uh, is because journalists, writers tend to get involved in these conversations and it bleeds into their work so uh, david walsh was writing in, in the times this week about uh, eddie jones bullying because he talks about brutality and i think they've lost complete sight of what the game is they talk about these values and all this high-minded stuff it's almost like an overcompensation because we know what the game is it's about bullying the first thing is 
it's about bullying. It doesn't sound nice, but it's controlled bullying. It doesn't matter what position you play, what you're trying to achieve. You're trying to embarrass your opposite number, whether that be physically, maybe well, that's as a domi- team. Dominate your opposite number. No, embarrass them. You, you, you want them <laughs> humiliated. <laughs> and, you, and you talk about that. I mean, have you it's, ever been in a change room where you haven't spoke about that? It's, it's another word. So yeah. you would always say dominate is the word I would go to, Tim. But... Mm. Basically, you ultimately, mean the, you're right. Basically, you mean the same thing. You, yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, if you're, was, a, if you're a, whether you're a winger or a tight head prop, you want to embarrass, dominate, manhandle. Yeah. You, you want to step you're, you're and gas, dummy, and get through. You want to run over the top of. Yeah, yeah. Smash into you the want, touch, touch. I mean, line. if yeah. you, I mean, when you're, I mean, I still play at my at the low level. I always have done. Uh, but when you're going in for a scrum, there is there is some chat because you want to get in the other guy's head. I mean, that is if you did that in work, that's just a clear <laughs> case of bullying. But that's what the game is built on; it's controlled bullying. So there's this overcorrection in the media when they want to talk about, oh, the game's isn't this a classy move? And this, I don't care, I don't care. First and foremost, it's about that, and then we can have all the peripheral things, and that's why we enjoy it. It is like it's sort of like controlled combat, for want of another word. But I think if you mention that to people who are not deep down the rugby Twitter rabbit hole that we are, mm-hmm. a lot of people would say, what are you talking about? Of course it's about domination. <laughs> yeah, of yeah. course well, it's about physically dominating the opposite number. Let's look at this from the other side, right? If David Walsh and Co, I'm not singling him out because there were lo- lo- loads, There's loads of people. Mm-hmm. There's loads and, of other, other podcasters. Well, other... Stephen Jones, right? Stephen Jones yeah. tweeted, um, if you're upset about the water, this is for Eddie Jones, right? I'd be upset about the water bottle, which may, may have blew onto a coach. I don't know what happened. But a water bottle hit a coach, right? Yeah, beer bottle, plastic beer bottle. Plastic, hit, what, hit yeah, one of the whatever coaches. happened, right? And he tweeted, if you give aggressive, if you stop giving aggressive press conferences, the water bottle throwing will stop. That's a remarkable thing for a journalist to say. Particularly a journalist like... Presumably, I'm allowed to hit him in the face now, right? Because you said so many derogatory things about us and our podcast. That surely should be able to... Yeah, I, I mean... Do I just go... Do so, so he's blurring the I line between what is... Uh, I what what are words and what... <laughs> he's, he's blur- swings. He's I'd love to see that. <laughs> out cold. I would love to see that. You get knocked out by Stephen Jones. <laughs> so he's blurring the line between what is criminal, potentially, and what is words. Just words. And we all, you know, he's covered rugby for his entire life. He knows the words that are used. So I, it's it's a bizarre. But it was the, it was the same. Scenario. And I, I hate to. This sounds conspiracy theorist like, and it sounds parochial as an Englishman. But it's just a trend I noticed this week. Whenever these things have popped up this week, it's because it's someone involved in the England camp has done it. Mm. No one mentioned Sam Johnston saying hate. Everyone Did Sam Johnson say that? I, I believe so. Yeah, uh, n- uh, no one mentioned Lewis. Uh, sorry, everyone thought Lewis Ludlam was so irresponsible to mention war. How could he invoke military language? Yeah. Like, like I just don't understand the deal. And then um, when it was Eddie Jones and his use of the word brutality, or him not answering a question, or whatever, well, suddenly put, he's a suddenly it's. Let's flip this round. What would Dave, Dave Walsh and Co like to hear? I mean, would they like to hear we are receptive to, towards their moves? We will... I, I don't know what he would like to hear. Because that's not what the game is. It's not like... I don't know. It's not like you do something, the other team clap, and then you do something, and, and then they clap. <laughs> you know, it, it, they, I can't imagine the attitude that he wants to hear about. Do you, know what I'm, do you know what I think I'm as guilty of anyone of? Oh, lots of things. And I think, like, yeah, yeah. And I think there's lots of people that do this, myself included. Take any attention to an attention-seeking person 
on Twitter because Twitter, by its very nature, incentivizes being a little bit controversial, no. a little bit um, uh, rude. It, that it is incentivized because it it generates clicks and quite the number of people that that will quote tweet some something or someone they absolutely despise the opinion of and say this is awful <laughs> you've just awful. waved the big flag going look at this awful thing and i'm i'm as guilty of it uh, to, I, uh, as anyone i but, would love more people to quote tweet my stuff and say it's awful I, I, yeah. I don't care if you if you agree or disagree just engage yeah <laughs> just engage <laughs> well this is it and i think we need to stop engaging with Stupid opinions on Twitter, and I'm I'm as guilty of this. And I I rose it's more, it's I more, rose to it yeah. with a few people, um, like the people thinking that it's unreasonable and outrageous for Lewis Ludlam to have evoked militaristic language ahead but of a game. It, I mean, isn't this the, the reason <laughs> pathetic? They, isn't this the reason the army like rugby? Is this the reason they spend a, an enormous amount? Well, not not an enormous amount, but an amount of an ever dwindling budget to make sure they can get 15 men running around the field and you know hitting each other. So I, I, I'm completely relaxed with it. Um, you know, that's how language works. It's, it, everything's fine. The problem is, I think, to go back to your original point and sort of trying to continue the thread I was kind of badly making there is Twitter has a disproportionate amount of clout because... Because journalist Because right everyone life. is suddenly a publisher journalist everyone has a voice everyone's got a bloody podcast and and we're and it just sort of eats itself and we all amplify these stupid opinions by disagreeing with them and we just need to ignore them and i yeah so ignore bullshit yeah. <laughs> ignore people very ignore- sweary today tim i sorry. think i think it's one more in the in this podcast and we have it in the whole five yeah, series I think you're probably right actually sorry hmm. sorry but otherwise because here i'm in a position where i interview players and on Friday night, I was in the Saracens dressing room um, doing a, a piece. This is a really interesting point, actually, because you mentioned this b- before the pod. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I think BT Sport, for example, do a great job at uh, walking the line between holding players to account when it's needed, pointing out the things that are issues, and you know, putting putting a spotlight on people and going, "Hey, come on, you need to answer some questions here," and getting the trust of players so that they understand and clubs so that they understand our joint collective mm. objective here is to grow this game and show people how amazing it is, how brilliant it is. We have players with opinions and interesting um, things that they do, and so yeah, and and I think BT Sport have done a great job at that because on Friday night, Saracens said, "Yeah." come in the dressing room, do a piece to camera. I was walking around showing people the pictures they put up on the, in the mm. dressing room wall before a game, sat down on the bench while everyone's getting their kit on with, with the skipper Tom Whiteley chatting about the game. And, and that, it, you don't get in other sports. No. You I, don't get it. And, well, um, maybe the NFL... But the reason you don't get it in the NFL pre-game is because they're so uptight about winning and, and whatnot. But you yeah. do get it like post-game. They think they, I think they get it that when the interviewers are in there... They're all doing it for the same reason, which is to grow the game, to give the viewer a better experience, to convey something which the viewer didn't know um, to, you know, to then some actual knowledge. So, you know, there's a good point. And I wonder, this is just me making it up now, this is just a thought which has come into my head. I wonder if the Saracen stuff, you know, has focused minds a little bit in rugby circles. Because the rugby media itself was so bad at asking questions, it took someone who was not a rugby journalist to expose the whole, expose the whole lot. And I think they were all caught with, caught with their pants down, which is why there is a little bit more of an interrogational style of questioning at the moment. I wonder if it's all sort of linked. Mm. But, but yeah, you've got you know there is a difference, I, I guess, there between what BT Sport do, which is a basically promotion of the game because we all want it to grow, and what a quote unquote journalist does. And 
Tim, on, on your point about um, England taking some of the brunt of this um, thrust, um, the interview with Ellis Genge, I think you saw what the consequence was of that stance. I think, I totally agree. certainly from a, an Englishman's perspective, I'd loved Genge's, I loved his stance, loved his, his interview. Um, I actually thought it was quite an interesting insight into the England camp. Yeah. And they, have, I think this whole thing will have actually uh, brought them closer together. And certainly his reaction towards um, some of the criticism about Eddie Jones after yeah. the performance last week showed just how much, just how close he is with Eddie Jones. And, and that kind of, from an Englishman's perspective, that seemed like a good thing mm. for them. I, yeah, I, I agree. Think, yeah, I agree. I, but but I, I would I would say that the actual players, they were very, uh, they sounded very together. Sam Underhill, Ellis Genge, yep. Owen Farrell sounded very together. But actually, in terms of, in terms of actual information and content that the players gave up. They they said very very little. <laughs> very yeah. little. They shut up shop and they were like, I, I read that as we're not telling you anything except Why would they? we're together and we're really delighted we just won. Yeah, yeah that's, would they? that's what I got from it. Not that because Ellis Genge when he was asked about, um, do you remember your try? He's like, no, no. It was only twenty minutes ago, but no. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course. Do you know? Is, I've just made that connection. So I just thought he was just being ultra, just no filter. But no, no, it's obvious, isn't it? Uh, well, it's the atmosphere in, in, in LA. Yeah, it's pretty. It, it's quiet. Some of the boys are getting drugs tested. That's, you know, that's what happens. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, so the right. England camp have pulled together because of the the reaction from um, and the media. us fans at home. Our experience may be poorer for it. Yeah, because we may start getting players who start saying, "Yeah, we gave 110 percent. The boys done good." <laughs> On to one next game week. at a time. Yeah, yeah. Just... Uh, and rugby, rugby can be better than that if we celebrate the great things we have. I just don't think we need. Yeah, it's a gotcha aspect of the of interviewing at the moment, which I just don't think is very. It, it's not not helpful. You don't learn anything. It's not very good. Well, that, that that's when. You, it, that's where to sort of fall, go back to Twitter and social media. That's the effect of social media. That's what that's done. It mm. is because you want the you want the clickbait. You want the sound bites. Yeah, and and that's what people. Unfortunately, a lot of um, less discerning people than ourselves will click and think, "Oh, that's brilliant." No, that is that is the, not brilliant. But what I can say, there was one. I mean, totally accidental, and I I wasn't trying to get it out of Steve Diamond, but he came up with an absolute <laughs> gem of a line uh, when I when I asked him about Mark Wilson. Right, Mark Wilson's about to make his debut, chomping at the bit. How's he been training? Oh, he's been training really well. Yeah, and he'll get he'll get a bit of time tonight. And if he plays well, he'll be start. I, I imagine he'll be starting fly off for England. <laughs> <laughs> he is very good value, Diamond. That, he is. That is when he wants to be. That is a bloody good line. And he also revealed in the post-match chat that uh, he's basically yeah. He, he said Dennis Dennis, Dennis Solomona. Yeah, he, he, he ate too many cakes over Christmas. He was stone and half overweight. So we got him in. We got him in fat camp, and uh, yeah, he's playing all right now. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't. I don't think I've said this on the, on the podcast, but I did have some concerns about Denny's weight when I had a look at him, <laughs> like just after just after Christmas. So I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad that someone brought that up, and, and I'm been, glad yeah. that something's been done about it. Uh, and, and, and then when he player. was when he was asked in the uh, in the press room, you know, do you think Denny was involved in England not so long ago? Do you think he could get there again? He went well. Look at the selections. Anyone could get in the England squad. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. Yeah. Right, as for the game, come yeah, on, let's yeah, get on the yeah, game. Here we yeah, go. Let's just, okay, so uh, 
Is it pretty busy? Was it pretty busy considering it is a semi final final of the cup? <laughs> <laughs> there was about ten percent of the people that were, were at Murrayfield. So let's talk about that one. Hang on, hang no, on. No, no. You were at the game. No, there were seven and a half thousand people. Was there really? That was the. That was the. That and was were the, the glow sticks out? Uh, I saw a few glow sticks. Oh, um, I missed the glow sticks. You I missed, missed the glow, free glow, glow sticks. Three glow sticks, mate. Yeah. So Sale Sharks had another final in the Premiership Rugby Cup uh, against Quinns at. Did at you home. see Van Rensburg's shirt come off? Yes. Now is that, that wonderful? Le- it is. What, tell you what, now he, carried, a, he carried on running with his little uh, GPS on GPS thing, just in case you didn't know where uh, you know, where he was. <laughs> you, you can always track him. Where's Rowan? Where's Rowan? <laughs> if, they, if there's one player you don't need a GPS to track. <laughs> now, is there a law a about beast. that? If your shirt comes off, can you carry on playing, or does it have to be blown up? Because apparently there is a law. I've no idea if there's a law or let, not. Let the I boys did, play. I yeah. did see on Twitter someone retweeted uh, it was Spain versus Georgia from about ten years ago when Gorgodza, in as a young man, Gorgodza rips both the shirt and the ball off one of the Spain players and marches <laughs> marches both of them forty yards downfield. Have I ever told you the story about someone's head cup coming off? <laughs> yeah, what? Oh, I vaguely remember this now. Tell yeah, so I was playing school rugby, and um, it was I was fifth form, and you got these three years, haven't you? In school, you can play yeah. senior rugby for three years. So I just started playing in the house matches and just to loop it back to our previous conversation the house matches were all about bullying like it was all about you know how many people you can injure it was it was brutal it was absolutely it was everything I'm, I'm offended by this yeah. JB it was everything the RFU do not want rugby to be were uh, uh, with house matches so I was a bit nervous anyway and one of the lads from Trivan, which is one of the houses, a uh, big mountain in um, big mountain in Wales, play in so Yellow. Your houses were after named after mountains. Yeah, Cadder, Snowden, what, what, Trivan. What, what were yours named after? Do you have houses at school, Phil? Uh, in my school, which was um, did, did you have houses in your school? It was a state school in northern so Manchester. Was mine. Um, yeah. We had uh, six letters of the alphabet. That was, <laughs> that was it. I was a uh, form P. Oh right! I really liked my one. We, we had uh, there were four pe- four students of the school that died in World War One that they felt uh, gave had the values th- th- of the school that they wanted to do. That's quite nice. So I was in Kernock, named after a guy called G- George Kernock, and then there was awesome. da- there was Davis and Evers and Patterson. There That's was, definitely better than most. Which, which I thought was a particularly cool way of naming houses. And. Better than random letters. Yeah, definitely. It was just six yeah. random letters. No, no thought in, in, in Was it A, B, C, D, E, F, or was no, it just no, random? No, it was... Did you have it in, C, in the form games? CKL, CKL and PRS, so three... Well, I was just wondering if the... No, yeah, there's no anagram of that. No. No. No, no idea okay. why. How? on, what, what were they? C, CKL, yeah. PRS. PRS. No, why would they do it? It's not Phillips School or anything. Well, it was Phillips High School, but... That doesn't. He went to Phillips High School, but but but. but I wait. did go to uh, Phillips High School. Uh, uh, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, so they anyway. play in yellow. I was playing in 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 on the wing, like I used like like used to do, and this guy gets tackled. And as he gets tackled, um, the guy from my team simultaneously pulls the jersey over this guy's head and rips <laughs> off his scrum hat. And his scrum hat goes rolling in front of me. And I just froze. I thought his head had come clean off. So after about two seconds, and he's on, Beardmore, make the tackle, Beardmore! It's like, oh God, I, I, I wasn't the same, you know, for a good, good couple of minutes. Maybe that's what uh, Johnny May thought when he froze last week. Uh, what, his head's come off? Clearly. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. 
So, what a thought-provoking anecdote. Yes, it is. yeah, interesting, <laughs> fascinating, enthralling, <laughs> exotic. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Murrayfield. Murrayfield. Oh my God! The Battle of Edinburgh. <laughs> in the trenches. I loved it. I, it was one of the most enjoyable games I've seen in ages. I hated it. No, you didn't. I hated Why? it. Why? Because, well, particularly in the first 20 minutes of the second half, England were totally clueless. I mean, both teams were clueless for long periods of that game. Yeah. But f- like, neither team seemed like they had a clear strategy, besides Scotland in the first 20 minutes of that second half, of how to... Um, deal with the conditions, mm. deal with the pitch. Scotland, the yeah, like Scotland's man of the match was the right-hand touchline. Yeah, yeah. Yes, oh my God. Yeah. That, uh, oh, those four, four kicks from outside the 22 into touch. Four in about a 10-minute period. I, mean, I was I just, losing my mind. What I loved about this, right, is two teams, and I really liked how Scotland played it last week. I thought Scotland played very, a very exciting brand of rugby. And then you've got England, who, you know, they come through, uh, uh, th- uh, th- through about a bit, but they obviously wanted to come back from the France game, and they wanted to make quite, quite a big statement, all the brutality stuff. And then you've got this weather, which is just an amazing leveller. And you've got 15 guys on both sides who need to change their strategy completely in order to work it out. So from the England point of view, this so-called brutality... I mean, one of the places you get that would be from your line-out. And if you can't catch your line-out and bring it down, Jamie George was having a nightmare. And it wasn't his fault at all. Uh, what can you do? But he... So both teams struggled with the line-out. Yeah. Jamie George did better. Oh, the yeah. English line-out was better than it the Scotland was. line-out. And the Scotland uh, line-out was awful. And part of that was throwing, but part of that was actually England just did a number on Scotland. Well, and, and the wind, of course. Yeah. I mean, Jamie no, no, George, no, yeah, the wind had an impact, but I mean... Jamie George had two. But bit, just, no, but England's... A few, a few of them were England's jumpers mm. just getting up and beating Scotland to their own ball. Mario yeah, Toji yeah, yeah. There, there were a couple, a couple of really great... George Cruz made a big impact there. George yeah. Cruz is so good. Yeah. George Cruz is so underrated. And uh, everyone talks about Atoji. I think he needs George Cruz. I really do. I, I think you might be right. Because last week you saw, whatever it was, frustration, ill-discipline, and he had a... Atoji, by his high standards, had a terrible game. This week he was better, but Cruz changed things. Yeah, he's an amazing player. He's a, a, an absolutely amazing player. Um, well, just on the line-out, so England lost 2 out of 12. Scotland lost 8 out of 19. They? Yeah. Oof. That is uh, and, and then the England scrum just went, just did work, which I love to see. Yeah. They, they really have been working on the English. England versus Ireland in two weeks' time will be awesome for the scrummaging. If, if there was someone who knew, knows rugby... Say they've been away, been working away for a couple of years, haven't watched any rugby, and then came back. But they know their rugby, then they know mm. what they're looking at, and then they came back and put the telly on. They would they they were quite legitimately at the end of that match gone. England, good number eight, that good good young number eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, this is an interesting one. So fascinating. Yes. Um, hang on, let me get my list up. <laughs> <laughs> I have a list in front of me. Uh, yes, uh, enthralling. Um, so. The reason a number eight is important is not for when it's going well. You know, when it goes well, anyone can do it. The same as any sort of you know, training or um, anything which anyone does for emergencies. Or, you, know, you, you don't do these things for when it's going well, you do it for, do it for, do it for, when, it, for when it's going, going badly. And when England's scrum is performing like that, you could argue that it is going to be an easy ride. And then Tom Curry, 
you know, he is a good player. He's a seriously good player. He's one of the world's best back rows. So it stands to reason that when he's running around the field carrying and doing Tom Curry stuff, he's going to look class. Well, but well, his carrying was good. very good, yeah. as you would exp- as you would hope for a number eight winning game lines. He his yards after contact were particularly good against yeah. Scotland. Yeah. yeah. He, he, I thought he, he did very well. And actually, when you're sitting on the back of a dominant scrum, so last week, uh, I th- at least two, possibly more, of his fumbles at the back of the scrum were when the England scrum was going for yeah, and actually, that knots. is a good point, because even when you're going fast... You've got to control the ball. You've got to control it. <laughs> yeah. Probably even more so than yeah. when you're going backwards. Yeah. I, I, th- I thought he was unlucky not to get man of the match. I Tom agree. Curry. Who did he get one of the match? Sam Under, Underhill. Underhill. He was he was very good as well. So that's the thing. I yeah, they got loads it. of turnovers, didn't they? They got shit. Loads. Yeah. God, what is it wrong <laughs> with me today? <laughs> God, I'm sorry. Um, they got they got a few turnovers. Yeah. So not surprised in those conditions. I know I've said it a million times. I'll say it again though. If you're not going to have a big ball carrier, get someone who gets through a lot of work. And between those three the in the back three. row, they get through a lot of work. I, I liked that. And I, I really liked having Ben Earl come off the bench. Yeah. Um, not, not that he did a huge amount, but I just like that option. Um, mm. And I was thinking, if two years ago you'd have said there's going to be four England back rowers in a 23 who are not the biggest, they're all kind of similar-sized guys, but they're all pretty explosive in attack and defence, I would have been certain... And they're all under... Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, and, and they're all under 25. I would have been absolutely certain that Sam Simmons would have been one of them. Yeah, that's a great Mercer. shout. Mercer's a bit taller and rangier. Yeah, they're all a bit squat, shorter and squatter. But yeah, it just they're all the, the similar mould to Sam Simmons. I think he's unlucky not to be. Yeah, in the squad. it's a really good shout. But they were all they're all great. Uh, one selection: the Gatland, one of the greatest coaches the greatest of coach. all time. The greatest coach of all time. Certainly yes. in, in the conversation, without any question, he selected Sam Kane, New Zealand's. Open side at number eight. Well, it, like I say, it makes sense if you want work rate. You know, if you don't have a ball carrier, mm-hmm. get get your work rate in. So it does make sense. But you know, you have an experience number eight for when things go wrong, and when it's like when it's technical. Tom Curry didn't have a very technical game. No, it'd be, oh, very, I, it'd be interesting to see if Sale play ball with this now. And oh no, Sale won't. You can tell from what and, and Dan Dupree was awesome. Dan Dupree yeah. is awesome. Isn't he? Was awesome on uh, on Friday night. You've got. Um, Luke, and you've, John Luke is pretty. You've got John Luke who can go in, and you've got Mark Wilson coming back. So that won't happen at Sale, and, but that's and the fine. Captain. But clearly, Jono. Jono. Clearly, Eddie, Eddie Jones has looked at Alex Donbrandt and gone, "Yeah, I don't think he's quite. I don't think he's ready for Test rugby yet." He's yep. obviously looked at Sam Simmons and thought, "I don't really fancy him." He's looked at Nathan Hughes. Nathan Hughes, and he's got some issue with him. He's looked at Tamar Harrison for whatever reason. He doesn't fancy Tamar any of them. Harrison would be great. I think Tamar Harrison would fit this English, England squad now perfectly. I, I tend to agree. I think you're right. What, what I, I, he, I agree as well. What does he not have? Yeah. I mean, he, like he's got all the attitude that that anyone would ever want. Um, he can throw. He can do German suplexes on scrum halves. <laughs> like he's, he's hard. He's just he's just brutal. Really, brutal. Absolutely brutal. Like, and, and abrasive. He would be one of one of the players you'd fear. I'm, I'm sure that <laughs> he, he would. He does some bullying. He does, doesn't he? Does. he? He's just he's just a horrible man. I mean, he's always very nice in real life. He's a lovely but, guy. But on the field, I can imagine him being just awful to play against. The, the, one that, the one that I'm frustrated hasn't been had a look at this season is Nathan Hughes. Because I think he's a different player, uh, physically and mentally, under mm. Pat Lamb. He's, yeah. he's lost weight, he's playing his best rugby. And 
when Eddie gets people in and they talk about how brutal Eddie's sessions are to t- determine whether someone is a test match animal, I can understand why perhaps a few years ago Nathan Hughes wouldn't have passed that test. I do wonder now, would he make the cut? I, th- I think he looks at Nathan Hughes. I'm only just trying to read between the lines, but I think he just thinks he's too hot and cold. Yeah, it, it, which is a fair point. Nathan Hughes is a great player against Italy. Because all the guys that are in yeah. the squad and are playing are those like consistent that they're just consistency yeah. people aren't they like you say work work their work rate yeah yeah get on the park make tackles and and yeah. more i i really like that selection i'm glad he stuck with curry at number eight and i think he will do for a long long period of time I'm, i can't say i'm glad about it at all uh steve diamond says everything best but he said this particularly well which is you've got you know tom curry is probably in the two top flankers in the world at the moment probably the other one's ben and <laughs> You know when you when you move move him into a different position, particularly when you've got Ludlum there, who can play eight, legitimately can play eight, and has done so done so for Saints. So, well, yeah, I suppose the other question would be if Tom Curry weren't number eight, would Sam Underhill and Tom Curry be in the same team? And that's uh, is this just his way of engineering it so the two of them are in the team? It's interesting. I, I'm glad he stuck with it. I think there was a level of vindication I don't think I don't think anyone is thinking Tom Curry's long term position is number 8 but if come the next World Cup you know that if Billy Vanapola breaks his arm or whoever is England's number 8 at the time breaks his arm Mm. and can't play we have got someone who's got test match experience who can just step in who you would love who who, if you were picking your your best players in a back row you would want in a back row Mm. I also I'd love to see Ben Earl just get more time I think he could be a real game changer for England he's so explosive isn't he he's so fast and Someone else who's explosive, who I'm so glad he came off the bench. I'm so glad he was chosen ahead of Joe Marler, actually, to, to have on the bench, is Genji. Yeah. yeah. He, he he offers something different. His carrying is superb. And his scrummaging, which a few years ago was perhaps a little bit of a weak point, is not a weak point His now. carrying is so, let's good. Talk, so let, good. Let's talk about bullying one more time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ellis Genji's the perfect example. I, I'll tell you the, the best example of this was when he saw Joe Marler line up at... At tight head. Now, he could have been nice to Joe Marler. <laughs> he could have been nice and said, I'll just win my scrum. This is Quinns against Leicester yeah. about two months ago. Yeah, I'll just win my scrum and that'll be it. Now, for those screaming at your, pod, uh, at your podcast player now saying, to a Joe Marler's not a tight head. I know, that's the point. He moved over <laughs> from loose head to tight head. Genji knows this and he destroyed him. He embarrassed him. <laughs> you know, that is the attitude that, that, that you need to win a test match. Uh, Ellis Genji um, sort of quote tweeted a little video of him playing for Hartbury. College. Oh yeah, against a South African against a South African team. team. <laughs> people. Where, and if you want to talk, if you want to look at a, a 17, 18 year old bullying another 17, <laughs> 18 year old, watch that video. Yeah, completely agree. So yeah, I, I, something that you must have liked about the selections, JB, your favoured six-two split on the bench. Yeah, I do like a six-two split. I think I, anyone can play in the backs, really. So <laughs> you just have two of them, and you know, if you want to, I don't know who would be the first English forward to move into the backs. Ben Earl. Ben Earl. Ben Earl, yeah. Ben, ben Earl, Earl could definitely. play. Definitely. He's so Wing. quick. Yeah, so quick. Yeah. Yeah, Ben Earl could do that. So J- that's not a problem. Jamie George could do a job at 12. Hmm. Other than Ben Earl, though. It's got the same pickings, <laughs> isn't it? You'd... Well, I was looking at that and thinking, because the, the two backs were um, Ben Youngs and Devoto. So not particularly quick. I was like, yeah, it's weird. If but... someone, well, if someone in the outside backs get injured, JJ moves to the outside backs. Mm. Then if someone else get injured, it's Ben Earl. It, it, w- it would be Ben Earl ahead, has to of, be ben Earl. ahead of those two. So, uh, do you think the BBC don't, didn't know what uh, FIB, sorry, 
F I B Y. F I B Y means yes. So someone because there's a way they tweeted it. We've just seen F. If, if they knew what it was. Oh, did they tweet oh, a picture of it? Yeah, they said we've just seen this on there. On. Oh yeah, yeah. Because we talked about this before. On uh, George Ford has little tape round his wrist, and we've seen it before. Was it in South Africa or it was it in South no, Africa Lester last Tigers. year? Was it, was, oh yeah, it was the Leicester Tigers. It's F I B Y written on it. F it. Ben Youngs. Which we found out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> F it, Ben Youngs. No, apparently it's F it, back yourself. Back yourself. Which we talked about this on the last podcast. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why, um, why can't you just remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Oh, yeah. Back myself. Um, um, what is it that he's, what is it that, what is the effort? What is he discounting? Like numbers in defence? You know, what, what is it that he's meant to just, his doubts. His doubts. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Don't, don't, doubt, don't yourself. doubt yourself. Don't doubt yourself. Go for it. But maybe he's right to himself and then kick the ball away. I mean, maybe, is, maybe. I mean, is, that, is this a bad thing for Flyhoff to have? I mean, if he's got doubts because he's a really good player, he's an instinctive player and he knows exactly what to do, no, no, don't. No, don't back yourself. <laughs> kick it away. <laughs> well, one of his kicks, he, he only did one of the four that went straight into touch. But it was... Of course, yeah. A lot of them went into... Elliot Daly, I seem to, have, seem to think, had two. Elliot Daly, sorry, there was a, that... 20-minute period. There was two by Willie Hines, one by Ben Youngs, and then one by Elliot Daly. Or he, it might have been George Furbank, actually. One of those two. I'm starting to think, you know, that yeah. for all the praise we heaped on the forwards of being consistent test animals, for want of a better word, Elliot Daly is not in that category. Um, uh, you can't judge anyone on that game. Yeah. That judge g- it on his whole body of work, I think. He's well, he was a lion. Amazing, he was a yeah. starting lion. He's had some amazing on the, moments. Yeah, on the wing, I can kind of sometimes see it. Oh, that's where he was for England. But... You know, I, I, I don't like him having too much responsibility. I think he messes up too too much. Up. Not messes up. He's just not. It's just not my not Mike Brown. Really, he doesn't so, give it that level of security. The problem he's got is he's too versatile. So he played for a long period of time at thirteen for Wasps. He's played at fifteen for the last couple of years for England. He's played wing for Saracens now, wing for England, win for the Lions. He's not got that huge length of experience in one single position. And while they're all similar. And while he can excel at them at lower level, that a slightly lower level, playing at a test match rugby, playing out of position at a test match rugby is difficult. Mm. Yeah. It's so unforgiving. It is one one second or two seconds of decision time becomes a fraction of a second of decision. And time. I think the fact that he can operate in multiple positions at the highest level, World Cup finals and Lions test matches, means that that just shows how. Incredible a player he actually he, is. I think he is picked for the things he can do, as you like to say. Uh, to, I'd love, I'd love, I love is, that. Which the case. is great, but there's a lot of things he doesn't do well. And I thought his kicking was a little bit suspect, and also his fullback play. I think that's that ship has sailed though on on on, uh, on the fullback. So he's going to have to he's going to have to nail down this wing position pretty hard. And I, I think when everyone's fit, he will not be starting. No, uh, I, I think I agree with you on that. We talked I, about I, this last week. Yeah, um, I think Watson and May right now will be. No, let's, yeah. Okay, so let's with talk not, about... With Noel, perhaps. Let's talk about stupid decisions. Um, <laughs> whose stupid decision was it in the Scotland camp? Which genius decided to go and target Johnny, Johnny May? With like, the high balls. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, we've seen a lot of jo- Johnny May. Maybe target, target, target him in uh, in the scrum. He's not <laughs> that proficient there. 
But here was the difference between England being embarrassed and then putting in a good showing against France. He's consistently one of their be- consistently world class. He is consistently world class. He is their best player over the last few years. Yeah, he. Yeah, he, I think you could go that far. He gets in the air as well. I mean, you sort of think He's he might so be a weak, a weak link. Why would you send the ball at Johnny May? I don't understand that for the life of me. Yeah. I thought on balance I thought Scotland were alright in this game they did okay uh, they still haven't scored though I, I, um, that's oh, where I'd be concerned for that's Scotland. the concern because they, they got into the same yeah. as they did with Ireland not same as many yeah. they get into the 22 they get 5 metres from the line and, and the pack lets them down they conspire to mess it up that said England dominated territory dominated uh, possession just like they did against France and England still didn't click and make that count the conditions obviously the big um Mitigating yeah. factor there, but I didn't think Scotland, Scotland were doing a lot of things. Are doing a lot of things well. It's just that the final third, they could have won it. They hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was it not for the hog error over the try line? Oh my word! Which what he, is he got. To him? A, he got away with it. I mean, he. he I, I think that was grounding. I mean, I can't think what else it would be. What from hog? Yeah, I'm. I'm happy with the way. I think. I don't quite. There's something not quite right about the law, just because it. It. Forgives mistakes if that makes sense. Yeah, so but I, I, I'm I'm okay with. The, I think the law was probably correctly applied. But the, the way you can ground, ground it between the waist and waist yeah, and yeah, your fingertips, shoulders. Yeah. Well, the way I look you at can. it is like the NFL catch rule, which is you have to be in control of it throughout the process. Now I know that is a rule for a completely different sport and not in any way applicable here. But we sort of have a, like I said about Hadley Parks, we have a body of evidence of what a controlled ball looks like. Well, the, the flip side is, what about if someone kicks a grubber through and you were diving on it? Yeah, do you, do you can't control I it think, in that situation. Yeah. You can't I, have it and control it in that situation. And, and, that that is the law. What you just described is the law for when you are in possession of the ball and place it down. But technically, that grounding that wouldn't was be when, a try, would it? Yes, it would. Would it? Yeah. Well, well, no, because if he was going forward, he would have knocked. He would have knocked, yeah. knocked it on. Although, that, although that I actually difference. that is a key difference. Although I actually think he did knock it on because he tapped it down, down back back, yeah. back towards the England posts. But it, it was. But anyway. it, it would have been Exotic. so. It would have been so cruel to Stuart Hogg that last week oh, he lost the game, or certainly cost his side a draw by that horrendous knock-on over the line. And this week, I mean, it didn't directly, as in two seconds later, cause the try, but two minutes later, mm. it did lead to a try. Mm. And I, I, feel, I missed that damn try. I feel so sorry for him because Hogg is such a good player. I mean, the break where he steps Farrell thing, oh, yeah. shows and goes on JJ. It's, he's so, so talented and he's so passionate. He's such a, I, I didn't think of him as Captain Material, but I really love the passion that he's showing. Well, he's kind of the captain in the same way as the best player in school is the captain. He's, he's just their best player. There, there's a little bit of that, yeah. but it's, it's the passion that he shows. I love all of that, but the problem he's got is the narrative. So the result dictates the narrative. Yeah, mm. as so, we saw with England last week. Yeah, the, and I was, rather I was than just they had a bad day at the office, it was Eddie Jones doesn't know what he's doing. Tom Curry should never ever play number eight. I'm again. still with that. Eddie Jones needs to be fired. Eddie Jones needs to be and fired. Still on that. On that I mean, I, <laughs> You've I, been on that bandwagon for a little while. Look, I wouldn't. King of the sausage. Any, yeah, I wouldn't King disagree with any of those things. <laughs> I, mean, I think Eddie Jones should have gone after the World Cup. Not because, by the way, not because he got to the World Cup final, just because you either have him for another four years. You can't have him for two years, so yeah. get, then get rid of him. Well, I, might, there was rumours about Razzy Erasmus. Yeah, which yeah. the RFU have strongly denied. And so is Razzy Erasmus. Razzy Erasmus, I, I don't you know. You see his tweets? What did he say? What did he he tweets at, like, um, 
I wouldn't know what to say to another team in a World Cup final. They're not happening. Yeah, he he wants. Oh, okay. He wants. Well, unless they throw a million pounds a year at him, he wants the yeah. To by, keep the, by, by lads, keep the Springboks. <laughs> yeah. uh, the wind. So just on that point, the the wind dictates the narrative. Have you really listened to the Stuart Lancaster podcast with the, um, Chris Jones? No, no. It's worth listening to. It's very interesting. So Chris Jones interviews long form interview, uh, forty five minutes or something like that. No, no gotcha. No, no gotcha. Yeah, no gotcha at all. It's it's really, really interesting, fascinating, intriguing, slightly arousing. <laughs> <laughs> Interview definitely alluring, engrossing, engrossing, definitely engrossing, mm. riveting, mm. Um, and you get a good perspective of Lancaster that I actually never really got during the World Cup, and I, I still think he was the wrong man for England. Def, like, I, if, if anything, this has. Um, cemented my view that he was the wrong man even more but it is I like Stuart Lancaster he comes across as a detail man and a very likable I wonder why you like him he's a lovely guy Um, yeah good question Hmm. they love Um, him in Dublin attention to detail who's doing a good job yeah he's a good coach Uh, he's a very good coach precisely never a head coach never a selector precisely and he, he does talk about that and he talks about in reference to Andy Farrell as well the and Leo Cullen, the number one and the number two. It's, it's, it's worth listening to. Yeah, and I'll to. give that. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Finn Russell. Yeah, dovetailing from Scotland, England. And Finn Russell, who, again, we're talking about Scotland, didn't quite have the, the tools to unlock their opponents in the last two weeks. Yeah. Losing one of the best guys at that. And in the Times and the Scottish Times today, there was a, an exclusive interview with Finn Russell in which he details his side of the story. Yeah, Finn, Finn Russell so much. And <laughs> if I'm summarising this right, let me. <clears throat> what, I, what I basically got from it was, in terms of Finn Russell leaving the camp, Finn Russell says, no, I, I, I did miss one team meeting on the Monday. And he held his hands up to that. And then he said, but as for, when, as for going on the Wednesday, which was described... As Finn's decided this, Finn's doing it, Finn's gone back to Paris, Finn's done that. Finn Russell said he was told, if you want to go back to Paris, just go. And he and Finn Russell interpreted that as, we don't need you here. Mm. So there's clearly, and I think Finn Russell acknowledges this, the commu- he said the communication's been difficult, but clearly there are 
unclear communications or we're hearing Finn Russell's side and maybe it's totally clear from the other side, but he feels like the environment is stifling, not listening to him, decisions being made that he's he's not happy with and he didn't feel consulted and the way they're playing, it's all a bit robotic. Need- the way they're playing and the way they're training, it's, it's robotic. Is you that kind need- of a yeah. pretty yeah. good summary of it? Well, can I just say, does this picture just scream contrition? <laughs> I mean that that looks like a very you know it looks like he's 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 there to mend bridges just just scrub Finn Russell in his man spreading. Picture. Oh, I do like Finn. Um, I guess my question here would be: I know you don't need to share your game plans with your hooker, really. I mean, you need to tell him what to do. You don't need to consult him. Do you need to consult your fly half? Uh, yes. I would well, do, say do, so. Do you need, yeah. Do you need to consult him? It de- depends what that consultation means. Should the fly half be totally dictating things? No. Nope. Should he be involved in helping to shape the decisions? Absolutely. I think when you've got two real good soldiers in, for instance, Farrell and Ford, who would just do whatever you asked them to do, really. I mean, they would obviously have their opinions and whatnot, but they are, you know, they are guys that would comply, for want of a better word. You you can pretty much dictate your game plan, or you can say, you know, we're going to do this, and the boys will listen, and they'll be good enough to, to execute it. When you've got a complete maverick like Finn, like Finn Russell, I think you've got to sort of mould what you do around what his skill sets are, particularly as you don't have two other Finn Russells just to, <laughs> just, just to step in. <laughs> I kind of alluded to it last week. I just think it's so special. You've got to make allowances to let him play as he plays. And probably manage the message in a way that allows him to think he's got the influence that he wants. Mm. So that Yeah. It's make him think it's his decision. C- correct, which would be a very difficult skill. I don't, uh, yeah. I, but I think, it's, I think it's a difficult one to read into this because the way I read this, and I think your description is very good, Tim, um, succinctly, me interpreting this is Finn has put everything in a way that he doesn't look like the bad guy. He comes across as very reasonable and just trying to um, build the relationship or just seek seek um, progress in the relationship and the team. I would love to get Gregor Townsend's take on this because I think it would not be the same perspective that Finn Russell has given here. So yeah, and to, to flesh it out just a little bit, the, the the initial incident was that Finn Russell had a couple of drinks with a, with a dinner, went to get a third drink, and a couple of the senior players said, "Finn, no, 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 we've agreed that we're not going to do this." I hate that. Well, yeah, we get to that. So so a couple of the senior players. This is what Finn Russell said. A couple of the senior players said, "No, no, no, Finn, we've agreed." The senior players have agreed. Well, the senior players, we agreed in a senior leadership meeting that this is this is the way it's going to go. Finn Russell said, I was in Paris, I wasn't here for that meeting, and he felt like he was, he said the, the oh. pro, he said the process was wrong because I wasn't part of that because meeting. Because he describes it, doesn't he, as, it wasn't an argument about rugby, it's about an, an argument about trust, yes. trust with players. Exactly, yeah. and he brings up the, the relationship he had with Vern Cotter, he said, which was, you know, we used to, used to chat and Late talk about life. Yeah. That kind of thing, exactly yeah. that kind of thing, and he says he, he has that now with the and Mike Prendergast, the attack coach at Racing, Irish, and, uh, Irish Yannick, guy. Yannick, Yannick Nyanga. By the way, DOR. Have, have you seen him in his suit? Looks cool. He, he looks is. Cool. He is a cool DOR. He is a cool DOR. Um, so I think that's obviously important for Finn, the sort of human 
element of it and the fee- and just being able to have a beer and an honest chat is obviously something very, very important to Finn. And I think that's a bit he feels is lacking and he feels it's a bit robotic. Well, there's also where, I do have, where I do have sympathy with Gregor Townsend. Oh, sorry, go on. Well, the interesting thing is... Uh, intriguing thing. Sorry, intriguing. Um, tantalising thing. It was tantalising. It was how he described the England game. And he said, I just, you know, it was very uh, stats-based. Yeah, which stats and kicking-based. Which really yeah. surprised me. I, didn't, I wouldn't have guessed Gregor Townsend was... I mean, I don't know his answer. I don't know. I wouldn't have guessed that his teams are very stat-based. But then he's always had Finn Russell in his team. So I don't know what he wanted to achieve. And then he said, I just yeah. like to play what's in front, of, in front of me. Well, and then Finn Russell said that with Vern Cotter, all of the... Structures. All like, of the yeah. structures are really solid. And then after that, it's a... If you see it, do it. Yeah. And you can see how that would work for Finn Russell. You can also see how that would probably work for Scotland. Because they're yeah. getting themselves to the right yeah. position and using then let these Finn structures, Russell and then n- nutmeg someone. But they're yeah. not. Then yeah, they're not. Yeah. They're not able to crack crack the nut. Yeah. yeah, I I think as well that talented players, and it doesn't matter what sport, often get on the wrong side of attack-minded coaches because the attack is all of a sudden all about the player and the player's genius, and not the coach's genius. And I think a lot of coaches have a real difficulty with that. Because you're handing over the reins of the thing you're meant to be amazing at to a different guy. Yeah. And I have no doubt that Gregor Townsend believes he is a fantastic attacking coach. And he he probably is, to be fair. Yeah. But maybe his attacking ideas don't mesh with Finn Russell's. You can't... How do you coach Finn Russell? uh, Yeah. Right, we're going to do nutmegs today. (laughs) We're going to do juggling three three balls all afternoon. (laughs) I don't know how you do it. Kangaroo court. Let's go. Come on, boys. <laughs> yeah. I got some kegs in. Um, I think both of these guys need to be a little bit more humble. Uh, Finn also said that, that yeah. Gregor Townsend said to him, uh, well, you need to see a psychologist. And Finn took that as Finn, Finn took that to mean. And again, I, this is where, this is where the, the, there's, clearly not, there's clearly not direct <laughs> communications happening. The communication is clearly Clearly down. lacking because Finn said, I took that to mean you think I've got a drinking problem. Not. I, don't I was. I was told I have a drinking problem. He he inferred from go and see a psych, our psychologist. Anyway, he, he said he said he chatted to the psychologist, and the psychologist said, "What you what? What's the what's the problem? You perform. You're performing yeah. at the required level. What does it matter? You're not if overweight. You want, if you want another beer, you're, <laughs> you're in definitely shape. Not overweight. <laughs> so you're supposed to be 15 stone. By the way, only 12 and a half. I would take go and see a psychologist very badly. That doesn't mean tweet me by the way saying go see a psychologist. But I would take that very very badly. Are you comparing yourself to Finn Russell? Yeah, we're both Maverick geniuses. Absolutely. I have a teeny tiny bit of sympathy for Gregor Townsend in the sense that being seen to be treating one person differently to other people can be a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it depends. I understand what you're saying about the the, the, the Maverick character. I really do believe this. Depends who it is, right? If you're treating the... I don't know, let's just make someone up. If you're treating a flanker who happens to be the son of the club owner differently to um, 
you know, better players, then you're going to have a real problem. If you're treating your best player, who is clearly your best player, and we know this not only because he is your best player historically, but we can look at his bank account too. I mean, we will soon <laughs> find out who is the best player in Scotland. Uh, one of the best players in Europe. Yeah. One of the best players in the world, if you look at his bank account. Exactly. Uh, I think at that point you go, mm, OK, yeah, fine. I get why we need to make allowances for Finn. I think where players get really annoyed, though, and I know this, I, I, there are actual... And you, if you think about it as well, you'll probably think of some examples yourself, is when a player gets picked purely because of his relationships with the coaches. He's a bit of a... I don't, I don't want to say brown those, but there are some guys that really play the game very, very well to get picked ahead mm. of others. And I think that's when it really gets a little bit narky. And it, going back to the point I made before about the, um, the result dictates the narrative, Scotland legitimately could have won two games. Or yeah. at least got a win and a draw in these two games. The fine margins, a hoggy ball slipping out of his hands, particularly, it could have been very different. Well, because we could have been yeah. sat here now saying, bloody hell, Gregor Townsend did exactly the right thing. Well, last week's question was not, you know, where is, well, it was where is Finn, of course. <laughs> that was one of the questions. Yeah, it was one of the questions. But it was, did. Are Scotland okay without him, or would he have made yeah. that extra bit of difference? Yeah. Because, um, what's his name played very well? Hastings. Hastings. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't and quite play so well. Uh, and this this game is... The game this week was just... I don't think he made... Yeah, he wouldn't have made a difference in this no, game. No one would have made a difference in this game. No. And Unless you can play... I've got it. I don't you would need, know. like, the South African pack. Yeah. South hey. African pack, and um, you need seven Ben Smiths in your back line. Yes. Per- perfect little segue into... South Africa, in the Daily Mail the other day, it came out that after the next World Cup, South Africa will be joining, and which will be, uh, I think, that what they it seemed to be prompted by CVC. And I suppose... The, if, ever, the everlasting quest for more TV and if, money. And if that is the case, then this could be one of those situations where you go, this is what happens when you let people who don't have an interest in rugby, but have an interest in... Money. In unlocking money out of rugby... So it might I, be a consequence. Um, How do you feel about the, the the prospect of South Africa making it as seven nations? Okay, so just go about CVC. I am very neutral. I am more neutral on CVC yep. even than I am on Sale Sharks. I am incredibly <laughs> neutral on this. <laughs> I don't think the Premiership has struck a, struck a good deal. I don't think any deal with CVC, frankly, looking at it, is a particularly good deal. Um, and also, don't shouldn't CVC have to actually sell some rugby rights before we sell them everything? Well, that, I think that is part of the problem. They want to buy everything, everything and sell, they it sell, as, it. sell it as one big, massive package. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm a little bit worried that we keep selling slices to CVC and then we're like, oh, where's the rest? Where's this money, lads? Where's this enhanced TV deal? Anyway, that's a side issue. South Africa joining the Six so, Nations. Yeah, South Africa joining the Six Nations. No, simply no, no. Unless we get rid of Italy. Uh, I'm Even I, then, no. No. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not that keen on it. I can understand how it would work for South Africa. They've got a load of South Africans playing up here because Europe's got a lot of money mm-hmm. to yep. to offer players to come and play. Time, Ta- time zones works perfectly. Travelling actually going from Johannesburg to Paris is easier than going from Johannesburg to Buenos Aires or uh, yes, or that Sydney. is true. It's, it's still a it's a hell of a trek, whichever more way. More than that, I think. But you're not going across time yeah, zones. Yeah, it's a good, a good ten yeah. plus hours. The time zones work well. Uh, no, just no. Look, it, it's just not going to. I, I don't like it. No. Well, it's not that it's not going to happen. It could happen. It could but happen. I, I really could don't happen. want it to happen. And the really way, don't want it to happen. The way that CVC will be looking at it is, 
Um, so when you're selling these TV deals, you've, the current Six Nations don't have that huge a market. So Wales, what, no. three, four million people. Scotland, six, seven million people. Ireland, five, six million. That's why they included Italy, though. Yeah, Italy, 50 million, something like mm. that. France, 60 million. England, 50-odd. South Africa, 50-odd million people. Mad about rugby. Mad and about 50, rugby. And 50 million people who'd all tune in. Or a big... Or a, uh, a, a large chunk, A chunky chunk proportion would... Just, and it's, it's the same as Japan. Yeah. Japan, 120-odd million people. When you're starting to talk about TV deals and marketing deals and advertising deals, they are more appealing numbers. But they're not... It just is looking at it from a numbers perspective <coughs> rather than the the history perspective. Yeah, and exactly. It's the history which makes the Six Nations tick. I said the same about Georgia, and I'll say the same about uh, South Africa. Go and build your own rivalries. Go and build your own your own competition somewhere. Um, but you can't just shoot on someone in Six Nations. I think a promotion oh. relegation playoff has to be an, an inevitable thi- uh, thing to add to a Six Nations. I'm not saying an automatic a- promotion relegation, but a playoff for the bottom side against the top to side. Go of the where, one though? To, to the one below. What would happen if South Africa went into the one below, though? No, I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> have South Africa part of it. I'm with you. Uh, no. I still can't get on board with that. Um, I think it's different to club rugby. I think my experience with Saracens now tells me that relegation is critical for club rugby. Well, yeah, no, I understand. But not for international. Well, well, I can't well, get on board with that. What's the objective with Six Nations or any any international annual it's, tournament? What's the ju- objective? <laughs> Again, linking it back to um, our early conversation, isn't it just to reinforce, you know, Xenophobic national rivalries. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that the fun other, of it? Other than bullying, what is the objective? Isn't, it, isn't the fun of it to sing the Scottish national anthem about killing uh, killing Englishmen or, or whatever? <laughs> I mean, I thought that was like the whole point of the Six Nations is to really go on about the various wars that all the various countries have had, and then go and play rugby so and then have a few drinks. Are you against? Are you in hindsight? Are you against the fa- Italy joining? Yeah, uh, yeah. And forty years before that, or forty-four years, uh, or f- however long yeah, ago it was. Forty-four years. Before they won a oh, France, France, France spent them. forty years before they won. But, but are you are you against, in retrospect, the fact France well, were allowed I to join the four nations? The problem with this argument is you go back and back and back, and you go back all the way to the original Calcutta Cup and say, well, that was the first that was the well, first international game between England and Scotland. Well, my point being, some things have changed. Some things, you, have, some to things change. have changed, and you and you accept it and kind of are like, I like it as it is now. Yeah, and I like it as it is now. Yeah. But, but you liked Bristol before they were Bristol Bears, and now you just accept that they're Bristol Bears. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is absolutely true. Um, there is a point that you're making there, which is fine, which is, you know, things do change. Hindsight would not have had Italy, but with hindsight, it would have had France. You square that circle whichever way you want. Go back to the 80s, Romania had a proper good team. They'd now be, we should be, have had them. Should have had them back in the 80s. Them. Should have had them. It'd be better than what Italy have. I kind of think, though, if Italy went to the tier below, at least it would give Georgia a bit more of a game. I think that would Spain actually... gave him a decent game today. Yeah, it's, Georgia won twenty three ten in Spain. But I just think Italy down there would raise the profile of that whole thing, mm. and they'd be in roughly an equivalent level. Well, I think everything you're saying about Italy wouldn't have brought them up, or that they need someone to play, or all, all the rest of it. That the, the aspiration and the ability to potentially go up will mean that you get the best, the best six teams at any given time in the top. And it will. It, the game will over the longer period. We would look back twenty years from now and go, "Do you know what? That was, a, real, that be, was a really smart move. Look at how many how good I the teams are I coming into a World it. Cup." I think I would do it on the proviso that only Italy could go down. 
I wouldn't want, the, I wouldn't want the, any of the four home nations to really, ever go. Really, be for a year. Well, you don't know, dear. <laughs> well, I mean, so, I mean what, what if Georgia started beating everyone? Well, you know, you like you quite often say sometimes when things aren't going well for a, for a club, the best thing that could happen is they get relegated. Yep. They can clean house, sort themselves out, and come back up. As Harlequins did, kept, went down, came yep. back up, and won the league. As Northampton did, went down, sorted themselves out, came back up, won the league. Um, yeah, but I see international rugby more in line with college sports uh, in the USA, which is it's about the rivalries and those conferences. And this is what you basically got is the conference, and that's why it's so successful, because it is about the historic rivalries. USA has 50 states. Yeah. European rugby has... About 50 states? About nine good teams. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, has eight, eight or nine good teams. Yeah, it depends on your definition of good. Yeah. But yeah, has five good teams and five four teams. others that are decent. Five, uh, four others that won't nations, embarrass themselves against the table. Six nations. Let's remember this is the thing which powers everything. So all the money in our domestic game all derives from the six from, from the six nations. Yeah, there's a bit from the um, from the autumn internationals and summer tours and whatnot, but it's all from that. And it's it works because of the historic rivalries. As soon as you start to unpick that fabric, you've got a problem. So I think you can add. I mean, adding is not as problematic to me as taking away. If you're going to take away, you take away, t- take away Italy. But you can't take away Wales. You can't even take away... I mean, I would argue Scotland are by far the weakest home nation, you know, historically. If, but you can't even take them away because it's too important. Let's say Wales ha- have, you know, do what you suggest they're going to do and go into the doldrums. Let's just say they got so bad that they went down a league. They'd never come back, I don't think. Yeah, of course they would. Of course they would. No. Of course they would. It's over. Wales <laughs> it's already over. You're so what, pessimistic firstly, about Wales. Firstly, I just want to suggest to you, on a, on a, you on a, on a one-year thing, <laughs> how cool to go and see uh, Wales play in Madrid. Yeah, how cool fair. would that be? That, that would be pretty cool. cool. And then... Yeah. And then you imagine how much hype there would be on Wales, England, in Cardiff, when they get back, having That's... been starved of this incredible thing. <sighs> Dangerous, I don't mind. The danger is they might go... OK, so you're selling it to me a bit, a bit more. <laughs> the danger being is they might go down on a year where Spain play them in Wales. So, I could, so you miss Madrid. You miss Madrid. You'll get, you'll get Lisbon in. It may be Lisbon. Yeah. But you, can, you might end up going to Bucharest. I've already done that. I don't want to do that again. Yeah. So there, there, I mean, there are downsides. I, it's not... When you put it like that, it's not... It's not entirely... You, you're only missing what you, what, what you are no, I can't safeguarding make- so much for one year... But it creates other storylines and other narratives and other, and you're starving yourself for something so good. Like the England New Zealand match last year at Twickenham was so good because we'd been starved of it for three years. Yeah, I'm still not having. And there was so, think how much hype, think how much hype there was over that game versus how little hype there was over England playing Australia again. Yeah, that is boring. Yeah, but it's not boring, is it? Because the other thing I remember as well, weirdly, is that the home nations only play each other once a year. Um, you can legitimately play Australia four times in a year. Yeah. Or South Africa four times ridic- in a which year. Which is actually ridiculous. The Southern Hemisphere uh, teams get much more exposure to Northern Hemisphere teams and Northern Hemisphere teams do against each other. Um, I, I, look, I, I, you've made a compelling case. I would consider it. But on balance, <laughs> I'd still say no. But as for, as for just adding South Africa, Phil... Absolutely not. Where are you at? Uh, I, I don't really like it. I, d- I don't like the idea that you're totally changing the balance of two tournaments. Oh, because of the mm. Southern Hemisphere International Tournament. Well, sort of linked to that. Have you heard that um, Rugby Australia have lost their broadcasting deal with Fox? With Fox, mm. yeah. We've I've not a... really followed this at all. Well, it's a dumpster fire at the minute down there, yeah. isn't it? So, uh, 
Basically, the Fox deal which they had, and they've been—I think they've been with Fox for like fifteen years. I need to look at the numbers, but Fox's high point was the advert before England's three-nil whitewash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they've been like long-term, long-term sponsors. I think it's worth fifty-eight million Aussie dollars a year, which is—I think good. that's a lot. I think it's quite a lot. I think that's a lot. is that a lot. Wait, fifty-eight million Aussie dollars per year? Yeah, wow. yeah, it's a that's huge, a, it's a fair chunk it's of change. It's a huge. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, it's huge. Okay, you can pay for ten Israel flowers for that. Well, I thought, let, I, yeah, maybe clarify those numbers. In fact, <laughs> shall we just pause this podcast whilst I clarify those numbers? Okay, hang on, pause. I've got okay, not- and we're back after clarifying the numbers, and the numbers are, Phil? Um, according to this article in the Canberra Times, um, in 2015 they signed a deal worth 285 million Australian dollars. That's quite a lot. Giving... Giving Rugby Australia fifty-seven million Aussie dollars a year, which is about twenty-eight million pounds, something like that, a year, which is that is a lot of change. It is. That is a seriously big deal. Now, I'm not making any judgments. I'm just going by what I've seen, only by what I've seen. My understanding was Roding Castle was some super genius sports administrator, but the things I seem to remember from her are. Israel Folau taking lots of uh, lots of money. Some money. Some money. We don't know how much, yep. but some. Um, the situation with Australia in the World Cup, which was less than optimum, and now losing a deal which is worth how much again? Uh, 57 million Aussie dollars a year. I might have did, the wrong... Did, did she negotiate that deal? Because it sounds it sounds like a bloody good deal. I don't think she did. I don't <laughs> think she did. So, I mean, I don't... I, Anyway, let's cut to the chase. What's, what's, the, what's the chat? The, the, the Australia rugby is in a bad way. So withdrawing South Africa from their <laughs> orbit would be not great. compounding a pretty horrendous year for Because them. then they get to play... Well, basically, all they can play then is Anglesey, otherwise known as New Zealand. So, the, <laughs> you know, so, so, so South Anglesey, or New Anglesey. Um, <laughs> and that's it, really. And there's not massive TV markets by, by, mm. by any stretch. Unless, I guess, they could focus... I mean, they could focus their attention a bit on maybe developing with Fiji, Samoa, Tonga. There are all people to play on that. I mean, but Jamaica, but now, Japan, now you're talking. Market. Now you're talking in the in the right language for me, which is the bigger objective. What and my objective is, as I've said this before, say twenty years time, five World Cups time, you have got ten outstanding rugby teams. That. I would love to see that. I would that. love to see that. I would absolutely love to see that. Well, the only yeah. way... I, or, well, or more. If that is your objective, work back from there, and the, the solution is raising, spreading the money, raising the aspiration, but and I, give, yeah, giving, a route, to Africa, the, giving right? a route to the top. To South Africa. Because it's a closed shop at the minute. Yeah, but South Africa should be looking at some sort of competition in Africa uh, involving... Zimbabwe involving Namibia. Namibia. They should do that work as well with their A side. Can you? Yeah, I mean, there is there's yeah. a lot of. Them. They but should do that the, as well with their yeah, A side. The difference. There is an between, African annual uh, annual African tournament, and the, and the difference I between South Africa, Africa yeah. and the rest. The rest of them, it's it well, would not. A be lot fair. of the lads who would have played for them play for South Africa. So there's a load of lads who'd qualify for Zimbabwe, and amnesty to give some Zimbabwe some players back wouldn't be. But mind you, we're a million miles away from yeah. Zimbabwe being a. Yeah, yeah, a friendly nation. And we can yeah, geopolitics with this one. How about right? We'll, we'll put that one to bed for now. How about I just fire a few little questions at you that we've had on Twitter? What? what, what hang on. What about the um, 
What about the weekly Saracens punishment beatings? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Another £50,000. So, so it turns <laughs> out in, grand in round six of the Champions Cup, the, the win that Saracens had, the win they had to get at home to Racing 92, uh, they did so with a player whose visa had elapsed the day before, TT Lamasatelli, who came off the bench. Um, so, so when they submitted the team sheet, yep. he was a legal player. He was a legal player. In between the... Friday when they submitted the team sheet and the Sunday when he played, his work permit visa expired. Mm -hmm. So he became no longer... An illegal alien. Can we go over here taking our profit? For a couple of days. His visa was renewed a couple of days later. Yes. A couple of days later. He was on the bench, came on for 20 minutes or so. Zero case to answer for me. So I think think there is a case to answer because it is another administrative error. And Saracens like those this year... I think it's been handled in the right way. I agree. Yeah, I, th- I think they've had a slap on the wrist. He had a fifty thousand pound sus- fine, half suspended for twelve months. You know, I had. Um, I was absolutely certain on Friday night that they were going to get kicked out of the league. Um, sorry, kicked, kicked out, out of the Europe. League. I thought there's too much political pressure. They can't slip up again. I'm glad that they only got what they. Rassings. Got. Take yeah. was it's ridiculous. They were clearly a just. Dis- oh, we might get a, we might get a, a home quarter final. Yeah, grotesque. That's a grotesque yeah. uh, injustice. Yeah. I think someone put that into Google Translate. It was it was Google Translate? <laughs> that. It made no sense. Yeah, um, they they did come out very strongly against it because um, it would have changed everything. It, well, it might have changed everything if they'd have got awarded. What if the they'd have thing? got awarded a twenty-eight nil win and five league points, it would have changed everything. But what did it mean? At the end, when it said, ourselves and Claremont are happy to... Well, they're going away to Claremont, and they, yeah. would, have, they would have been seeded number two and got a home, home quarter final against worded. Ulster. Let me... Had they got the five, yeah. But they said, we are happy to play against our friends or play with yeah. our friends from Claremont. Yeah. So anyway, it was handled fine, and all yeah, the people yeah. all the people that were suddenly piling onto Saracens like this, see, they're cheating again. This, they're cheating. This, <laughs> It just It's actually unfortunate. Had it happened to any other club... Would you like me to read you the statement from Russing? No. <laughs> Go on, it's quite funny. Give us the grotesque line. What's yeah. the grotesque line? Russing 92 takes note of this grotesque decision. <laughs> uh, congratulations to the Saracens for this new feat. That's, this, is, this, is, this is astounding. I'll, I'll, I'll carry on. We know... Uh, sorry. We now know... That a, that a club can play in its highest national division by sitting on the salary cap for several seasons. Lost in translation. Shitting? (laughs) (laughs) We now know that a club has the possibility of being consecrated this season in a major international competition whilst continuing to make fun of its regulations. This is superb. Uh, We now know that the club risks only 0.07% of its budget if it aligns and ineligible international. You're losing me now. Rugby yeah. school of life, this wonderful sport, <laughs> does not have the same value for everyone, but we will be happy to go and play with our friends in Claremont. Like, mystery to me. I um, would... That's I, a mystery. I, if I was putting a gif with that, it would be the one of the little girl on her back um, kicking her legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd like to just say uh, thank you to Adam Redmond who posted that, and I think he must have put it through rugby Twitter. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Google Translate. Had it been... Any other club, people would have gone. Oh, that was a bit. Uh, that was a bit unfortunate and a bit silly. Fair enough. Yeah, but because yeah. it, it just so happens, it's happened to Saracens. Well, it does. I, I kind of tongue in cheek put it on uh, Twitter, but it does at least add a little bit more credibility to their defence that 
the 23 <laughs> non, non-disclosures or undisclosures of payments to players were just administrative errors, yeah, I mean, which was their original statement. And it did, and I quote, administrative errors. Well, and also their defence for Lamas and I mean... Look at our past history. Yeah. It's obvious this is, this is what we do. <laughs> We've got no idea what's We've got going no on. No idea. We can't file anything. Right, quick fire. Bill Byers just says this is quick fire stuff. Okay, but yeah. uh, with talk of wars and hate, Bottlegate, Scottish fans, and the talking back to refs by the captains, is now the time to panic and ban everyone from everything. Agreed. Yes, yes, yes. absolutely, definitely. Uh, we have got. Um... Oh yeah, what. Oh, yeah. What George Ford-style abbreviational reminder would you have scribbled on your arm for a match? Um, hang on, hang on. It would be... Uh, LTBP for me. Yeah, LTBP. Oh, that is a good one. I was going to go F-I-T-C. F it. Take care. F it, Tim Cocker. F it, Tim Cocker. F it, <laughs> take care. Take, take care. care. <laughs> <laughs> F it, take care. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm, I'll have that one. I'm going to be well. really cool. careful. <laughs> Sean Phillips, booing the kicker thoughts. Personally, if I were the kicker, it wouldn't bother me one bit. Love it. But the brand, um, this was at, at Murrayfield. Eddie yeah. Jones didn't like it. So Thought I, we might have supposed to uh, respect the kicker, mate. So <laughs> I, like, I, I, I like traditions. If your tradition is to be silent, you can be silent. If your tradition is, is, to, boo, is to boo the kicker, fine. If your tradition is to throw octopus onto ice rinks, I like that too. I, I don't mind whatever you do. Even in, um, what was it, El Clasico, when they threw pig's heads at the, uh, at the players uh, taking the corner. It's fine. It's tradition. I, and I can get on board with that, which it disappoints me. I don't think it's tradition in Scotland to be booing the kicker. Oh, I think it is. Is it? Mm. Yeah, the English kicker. Yeah, of course it is. Maybe the English kicker. So if it is tradition... I can get on board with that. I don't mind it. If it's uh, Buenos Aires, boo everyone. Yeah, Claire, yeah Claremont, they do it all. Just yeah. do it all. Uh, Mike Turner, if Genji had been drinking red wine instead of beer, would it have been more acceptable to those who complained? Now, this is an interest. Just very briefly, um, probably yeah. If he had his pinky <laughs> out only, and it was and it was left hand. Yeah, um, and he taps the glass. And he on, taps the glass. It does chest. an eg. Um, but uh, actually, this is one of those weird things. Loads of people have talked about it, myself included. But I actually haven't seen that many people, if anyone. Only the one person that Ellis Gens said, I've hardly seen anyone saying it's, it was bad. Yeah, it's yeah. like, do you know when you're a child and you imagine someone breaking into a house so you could be a hero and like, you know, yeah. you know that kind of thing. It's Do a it, home alone. Yeah, it's this, it's this fantasy thing. And for some people, the fantasy has been realised that, that some idiot has, out of the millions and millions of people on, on Twitter, has criticised Gens for it. And because they have, they now get to play the hero in their fantasy by, defe- by defending Ellis Genge. So I think that's basically what, what's think, going on. I think there might be an element of truth in that. Yeah. Uh, uh, the problem with Ellis Genge, he should have been drinking the most isotonic recovery alcoholic drink, yeah. a Negroni. A Negroni. Uh, absolutely, Phil. Uh, no, totally right. Am I wrong in thinking this, but... When England won the World Cup, I'm sure Clive Woodward had him on a four-hour drinking ban straight after the game. So, I remember reading Johnny... After they won the World Cup? I remember... I, not when they won it. Oh, right. Oh, from a normal game. From a normal game, it was a four-hour drinking that ban. That doesn't surprise hour. me, whether you've got to get your protein shake and, yeah. recovery and all that stuff in. Yeah. yeah I don't like that. My, 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 my <laughs> favourite drinking game is Locker Room Lock-In. Which is always good. Yeah, we've got this. We're not leaving until we go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Did you have a no? Um, did you have a no pissing rule or, or, or no. sort of a, a pissing punishment? The first one to piss always like a savage. To, no, first one to piss always had a bad 
punishment. That was the one we did on locker room lock-in. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I quite, I, I quite like that. I, I, yeah, that our rule is anyone can come in, no one can but leave until it's all done. After a rugby game, you're normally like really dehydrated. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem for me. That it's mm. a problem because you, the first beer goes on so quickly. Yeah, and then that sets the tempo for all the other beers subsequently. Mm. I, I did go to a club uh, in Berry a few times when I was a young man um, called Solviva, and they used to have Tuesday night that was free till you pee. So it's free beer from 10pm until the first person has to use the bathroom. Ah, how the hell? <laughs> That's, That's amazing. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, uh, Harry tweeted at Rugby Podcast, why is the five-second use-it-law not being implemented? Don't know. You're absolutely right. Needs to be. Great question. Great question. And, and use it's it... It's a great question with the wrong people to ask it to, though. Use yeah. it when it's first available, not when the last man joins the back of the train, the caterpillar. Yeah, sensible. Mm. Uh, Darren Salter hurts to say it, but do you agree Bigger is the best 10 on show to date in the Six Nations? Yes. And I, I think Sexton's been very good. Mm. Um, Dan Bigger's I, amazing. I am worried about Dan Bigger. Failed the HIA. He failed two in the World Cup. He's failed previous ones. He's such he seems a, to get in bad positions, doesn't he? He's such a talented player. He's such a committed player. Chris Boyd said he's the the most or joint most committed player um, he's ever worked with. So, big statement. Yeah. And he's worked with some pretty good players. I do worry about bigger. Yeah, agreed. Mm. Uh, This is just a point, really, that Jonathan Hooper's made. Uh, Nick Tompkins, no one moaned when he wasn't in the England World Cup squad. Uh, he says he'll play for Wales and suddenly he's the best centre in the Premiership and Eddie Jones is an idiot. Like, basically what I said. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I will just add this to Tompkins because I forgot to say it in the Wales wrap-up stuff, which was, um, doesn't look like an international to me. He can do some things to an international standard, but he doesn't have the complete pa- complete package. Which is probably why he's a backup for Saracens. So, I think he will grow into that position. I think... I hope you're right. I, I think... Him and Hadley Parks could form a very nice centre partnership um, until JD comes back. Did I make this but, point? Did I make this point last week? Which is, if a club sh- team showed up to, to the AJ Bell and we happened to go and watch, would Hadley Parks and Tompkins worry you? <laughs> Not immediately. I mean, how far down the pecking order of Premiership centre partnerships would you go down? That sounds like something that that Worcester might put out. They've got a bit of money. They get <laughs> you know that that that. Seems to be the, about the right standard, I, but then I think when you play, I, th- I think when they've got a bit of time together, I think they could click. Mm. And on Maybe. on Tompkins, so the missed tackle on Lama, unforgivable, was bad. But then you but, wandered around looking lost. I thought. But then, did you see the second one? He did hammer someone he, on the line. It was Lama on the line. What Again, was it? Lama broke through the line and he shut up shop. It yeah, great tackle. It was that. a good individual. I thought he looked lost for large large parts of that game. They struggled. Wales struggled because he didn't yeah. have huge amounts of ball. They did. He, he needs front football. Quick, so, quick, quick, quick fire. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Collis, uh, did the Ray Itoji image rights valuation forget to take into account Itoji's trademark hand clapping? Ooh. Oh. That's a good point. Johnny Sexton was getting involved in a bit of hand clapping by the ref, I noticed. <laughs> the trademark hand the tra- clap. The signature hand clap. <laughs> Put another 800k on it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is just a point as well from Paul Bagley. As an Irishman, we've been licking our wounds since another disappointing World Cup, but after a ma- after mature reflection on yesterday's game, I'm joining the entire country and the expectation we'll definitely win the next World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Rightly so. Rightly so. Well, uh, Harry and- says, what's happened to Scottish rugby fans? Again, I think we're we're going off too much. One bottle 
Yeah, being blown, being or, blown or, or thrown or, or whatever, or whatever happened. And some people booing a kicker, which we've already said. Yeah, yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of people were asking. Yeah, lots of the stuff we've already talked about. Um, uh, Owain has said, shittest weekend of rugby in the Six Nations history? That's a good question. If Super Saturday was at one end of the scale, that was three or four, three years ago. Yeah. yeah. The best day of Six Nations rugby ever. Uh, then Ireland-Wales and particularly Scotland-England matches were very much on the other end of the scale. I, I, I quite enjoyed the Ireland-Wales. I've got to say, it isn't the best game, the best weekend of rugby by those standards which we've uh, me- men- mentioned. But two games of back-to-back international rugby are never going to get me upset, regardless yeah. of what's... Because you've got other battles going on. Mm. Just because it's not your stereotypical rugby does not mean good rugby did not occur on that field. And, and scrimmaging. And the game that we've not spoken about was actually a really entertaining it, it game. Uh, particularly if you're a neutral. Um, yeah, like, there's like some me. serious... <laughs> neutral in every sense. Yeah. There's some serious talent on show... That did some brilliant things and some pretty crazy things at time. Yeah. What's not to like about that France Italy exactly game? Exactly yeah. right. And Italy doing some good things, actually scoring some points. I only saw about twenty minutes of, of this game. I saw enough of it to see Gregory Aldrich make eight carries and oh. now convince me that he might be one of the best eights on the planet. Aldrich, Dupont, and yeah. Mac when oh, he's not missing. By kicks. the way, on, on Dupont, John Downer said um, on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. Did the human Ken doll model model his face on Antoine Dupont? I'm going to show you a picture of him. Do you know the guy I'm talking yeah, about? The guy yeah. who spent all that, <laughs> all that money on surgery. <laughs> oh, God, that's horrific. It, it, there is, no, that's po- Antoine Dupont. No, I'm joking. <laughs> as pointed out by um, one of the friends of the pod, he does look a bit like um, Reese Webb as well. Reese Webb has got a similar, like, overly manicured. Uh, Appearance to him. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, I agree with that. But um, Italy, Italy did some good things in this game. Minotti and Pelletri. You can see what they're getting at. You can yeah. see what they're trying to do. It's, it's just, and they're doing quite well at getting to the outside channels. They, they did in this game. They did and last week as well, but they just they didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Which is you've you've actually got three playmakers yeah. in that team because you've got Hayward coming in from fifteen when he needs to, and then Canner and Canner uh, Allen. Tommaso Allen. So yeah, much, much better from Italy. They will be a bit disappointed they didn't get a fourth try because they could have done for a bonus point. Anyway, Good. that that was an entertaining game. So not the worst weekend of rugby ever. Yeah, so I didn't see it, so I, I won't come on it. And did you see that Belgium hammered, not Spain? I saw that. Really? Yeah. 38, 10 or something. They, they were behind at like half-time and then just walloped them in the second half in Brussels or... Antwerp, oh, not Spain. Resort. Sorry, yeah, yeah, not Spain, not not Spain, yeah, not Spain. Oh, yeah. interesting. Um, one last one then before we go. Who who is the favourite for the Six Nations now? Is it France or Ireland? Fran- France have to go to Dublin, don't they? Uh, I think I. So here's my theory on this. In fact, France have to go to Dublin and Cardiff. No, France host Ireland in the final week. Ah. So it could be a ground slam. So Cardiff and Murrayfield. France travels to yeah Cardiff in the next fixture, and then Murrayfield. The next week, is, well, well the week after the next weekend, and we'll know who's going to win it. Because if England go and beat Ireland and France go and beat Wales, then it's France's. Yeah, France agreed. Is to lose, I definitely. think France will beat Ireland in the same way that they beat England because they're two, two very similar teams. They are, France can definitely beat Ireland. They they definitely can beat Ireland. We're what they do against Scotland, though, I mean, if Scotland click like they did against Ireland, I think there's a lot of points coming there. Mm, I'm, I've got because we've got different coaches. 
So I know we've not all got different coaches, but even England, who've got um, Eddie Jones still, have ripped up their attacking coach, who's now Steve Borthwick, or their skills coach. attack coach is uh, the sevens guy, Simon Amy. Oh, they've got Simon Amy. What's, what's Borthwick's other role? Skills. Uh, skills. Skills, skills coach, Which yeah. seems skills. to fit in perfectly, right? Uh, if your skill is um, understanding every possible combination of line-out play, that's a skill. If it's exciting backs play... I don't want it. I mean, maybe I, that's why they keep knocking on. Y- yes, <laughs> it would. It would stack up if their skills coach was Steve Borthwick. Well, the Exeter Chiefs uh, have little periods where, and it's a very kind of corporate type thing to do, but mm. I think it works for them where they they have a week Gre- where, where the coaches all, rooms. all take each other's roles for a week. Do you know? I love that. I, I, I love that. Like it. Yeah. So when I coach scrummaging, and I've never done it, but I always want to do it, I always want to start the session by making the Hold second Hold on, rows. when I coach scrummaging, which I've never done, but I've always no, no, wanted sorry, to do it. So when I coach scrummaging, the thing I've wanted to do... Oh, okay. thank you. Uh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. And I coach scrummaging a lot. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, that's all right, that's all right. Um, the thing I've always wanted to do, but I've never got around to doing it, is start by playing the second rows on the scrummage machine at prop. Uh, just so okay. they, can f- they can feel... And then the props can play second row, so they can feel a bit of empathy. Yeah, what, what it what, what, what it's like, like to yeah. where your head needs to be, who, who who's helping that's who. A ve- that's a very culture thing to do, JB. Yeah. Well, uh, what's the other thing? That, well, the other thing which I do do all of the time, all the time, is make anyone who even has a remote front row shape play in the front row. Mm. All all the time. I mean, we have some magnificent front rows, though. <laughs> I think that's a very good idea at, at low level. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Re- really important idea. Yeah, some big guys, and you can't understand for life. I can't understand for life me why anyone would not want to play in the front row <laughs> if you're low level rib player. It is awesome. Even, even like a, a flanker just putting in a couple of times, like at lower levels, I'm talking mm, about. Yeah. But a flanker being a scrum half just in training to understand why you shove your bum right out. Yeah. Yeah, when, yeah, when, yeah, when you're on the flank that the scrum half's coming around, why the, if you're a number eight, you get the ball and put it on your right foot as far away for, as yeah. you can? Just, you're right, actually. That's, that's, that's you know, my favourite, num- good way of looking at it. My favourite number eight tip is: Do you know the way they bind? This is in channel one. Yeah. So do you know what you're on channel one, right? Sorry, I hate it when you get pedantic refs that go, "Ah, oh, channel two only." Yeah, channel two. Yeah, you're, you're on channel two, and you're bound over your lock shorts. So when you're looking over, sorry. Tight headlock, loose headlock, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're looking over the top, and you can see their hands, right? That is a disaster because as soon as you let go of your hands, you've given them, you've, you've given the two flankers a trigger. So the flankers have got to look over the the top of the scrum, look at the hands. So when the hands release, the bound is broken. So you've got to clarify with the ref at the start when does the blind count as broken, and no refs can ever answer that. But if you can look over the top of the scrum, then you're not fully, you're not, your shoulders aren't bound. Well, you can do it. So your shoulders are bound, you just uh, look over the top. As soon as you see that sort of flap, then you go. So as an eight, this is my my top tip. You bind on the inside of the shorts, and I'm making a hand movement here. I know this doesn't translate well in... In in channel two. You bind in channel two. You bind down down channel two. So you've hidden your hands. So there's less distance also for you to pick up the ball. And the flankers can't see the release, which gives them the timing for the breaking of the bind. Bingo. Can you get as good a solid... Shove if you're needed no. with a bind in the middle. So you've got to trust your tight five. Yeah. Yeah, basically, or you can bind down the side of the shorts. But then the problem is, a wily flanker can look around. This is why when you're a, this is why if you if you've got a dominant pack then you've got a really good front five that just yeah. do the business. Being a number eight at the back of that, where you kind of actually you pushing or not, well, it's kind allegedly. of inconsequential. You get the hit, but then 
allegedly, Ireland, right, started their scrum sessions, or the way they thought about scrimmaging, is they built it from the eights going forward. What I mean by that is, the push came from the eights, so everyone... So if the eight's pushing really hard, everyone will be pushing really hard. Whereas if the pu- push comes from the front row, your second row might slack off, your eight certainly won't be pushing, so on and so forth. So we always thought about it as pushing from the eights. So all eights are engaged, which I quite like that, actually. Having never really done a competitive scrum, I've got What do you no mean idea. never really? You mean never? No, I, um, under 11s. Under 11s? One scrum at under 11s as hooker. Hated it. It's, hooker is... If, if I could, if I could start all over again, I would I would start training as a hooker immediately. <laughs> hooker is the best position on the I field. Love, I loved it. It's uh, great, the, isn't it? The cool thing is, you um, lineouts and scrums, you get you end up being on second phase. That guy just looping around, and you're just in the perfect position. Second row is underrated for carrying. Yeah, because the eight will pick up, or whoever smashes in. The back row tie in. The next carry is always the second row. Well, well, you should basically if you're doing the pod system, the the number eight picks <laughs> up and goes. The two flankers and the near side lock yep. cl- clean that one out. Loose head lock. Well, no, whichever lock is. <laughs> if you go right, it's the tight head lock actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the loose head lock is the one who's round on the next phase. Anyway. Anyway, there you go. Insight. You learn something. Bringing it back to today's game, a, a lock who did some brilliant carrying. Your mate Dean Budd. Dean Budd. A couple he, of he uh, good turnover on the line as well. Great he had a brilliant game. Great player, he, great only, he only started because of uh, an injury. Who got injured? Did... Alzani. Alzani. Well, I didn't see it, so I can't say anything. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Dean Budd played well. He's, he's, he's an amazing player and an amazing man. The last time I saw him play was going back at a rate of knots against South Africa. Yeah, a, a very fast rate of knots. They were up against it. <laughs> they were, <coughs> with, with no props. Should we cast our mind towards the rugby coming up? Yep, let's do it. Because it's back to domestic rugby for a week. It's fortnight until the next uh, Six Nations game. Mm-hmm. So we have a Friday night game live on BT Sports between Gloucester and Exeter. You're not going to do the, scale, uh, the rerun of the Sale, sale uh, Saracens game, no? Uh, it's Sale put out a, f- a full strength team. Oh no, because they are at um, they're at the Alliance. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. So uh, it's Gloucester Exeter on Friday night. Exeter important game this one. Yeah. I think Exeter win. It is this block of games is going to be massive. And and to put it in context, and I'm only because he mentioned it, Sale who find themselves in third position. That's Steve right. Steve Diamond says these next four weeks of Premiership rugby, he said could get them in the top four. Mm. Completely agree. And bearing in mind there's only nine games been played, he said he's thinking this is the defining point in sales season. So I think when you look at other clubs, it will be similar. You could find yeah. yourself too far away from top four to get there or right in the mix and in pole position. And you want to be playing the teams who are losing the most internationals. And Gloucester... So Gloucester lose virtually, virtually no one. Chris, no one. Chris Harris. But I don't think excellent Pled- uh, Pledry and lo- Callum Brady. Lose, lose money, do they? Uh, well, they're How missing. Will go. They're missing Noel and Slade, who are both injured. Devoto's been playing, albeit not really playing. No. Um, so Harry Devoto's Williams probably... is in the squad, but not playing. So he... Luke Cowandick injured. Um, no, it's didn't he have? A... No, he got. Yeah, he was out. He was didn't, injured. Didn't his daughter get born or something? Well, whatever. For whatever reason, yeah. he wasn't available. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they're having a bit. Yeah, yeah maybe, sure. maybe that's right. Um, okay, uh, I still say Exeter though. Hmm. I think Gloucester might do this at home. Yeah, give me Gloucester. Because I'll probably get Ollie Thorley back. 
Yeah, he's, he's, he's had no game time. They might even get Louis Louis Reese Zamet back. Yeah. Oh well, actually, they will get him back. They sh- yeah, they should do. Oh well, yeah, because he's, he's mandatory. Con- con- he's got to go back. Contracted to yeah. to Gloucester. Yes. Um, and then you cast our mind ahead to Saturday. Four games all kicking off at three pm. This will be a tasty one. Just purely in terms of the rivalry, and even though there's not relegation on the line for London Irish or trying to avoid it, they will desperately want to go to Quinns and win. Yep. 3pm. So that will be... Well, in fact, the rivalry side of this weekend is great. In uh, Harlequins v London Irish, probably going to go for it. I'll probably predict a home, home win, win for that one. Yeah. I think and and Leicester against Wasps has become a bit of a yep. Midlands rivalry as well. Yeah. I think I might edge for a home win on that one as well. Oh, no, because they're without Ford... Last without four, May, yeah, Youngs, Youngs, Wasps lose Launchbury. Uh, Minossi will probably come back because he's Italian. Um, oh, no, Genge as well. No, yeah, give me Wasps. Leicester yeah, lose I so think many players. They do miss a lot, don't they? I think Wasps. I think yeah, I can see the good argument for Wasps. Yeah, and Launch Launchbury might be sent back to play a. 80 minutes yeah Jeep, Jacob Umaga might be sent back uh, he, I imagine he would be <laughs> I th- I'm going to say just Leicester at home sneaking it uh, Saracens Sale Saracens will put out a full strength team it, it uh, did surprise me full strength available team full strength available team yeah with a I don't think it's going to I, I, I don't think they will uh, well actually have they said they will no, well I think I think they will but there was an element where I was and I did actually put the, the question to Adam Powell is now premiership's not a factor and this was a semi-final did you consider putting your big guns in I was so surprised. That, well, they, they were kind of caught behind between a rock and a hard place here, weren't they? Which is, I bet, if they were all available, they would have. Because why would they not want to well, go out with ben a Ben Spencer was available. Yeah. Brad Barrett was available. Yeah, but I guess... No, Brad Barrett's hurt, I think. OK. But anyway, it, it doesn't matter. Alex Lewington would have been available. Hmm. Well, I guess if you can't put all of them out, don't put any of them out. That's what I would. Well, that's what I thought. Anyway, uh, how do you think? How do you think it's going to go? At Allianz. It doesn't doesn't matter for the league. Sale are the ones that. Anything it, it can matter, yeah, it matters to matters sale. Matters to sale. Time. Doesn't matter to Saracens. They've, they've put a huge amount of emphasis on it. Sale have. I think they're going to win. I would agree. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, just on Saracens, from what you saw, what do you think of the number eight that they had? They had a, a number eight who have never seen before. Was it Alice Pink? Ali? I want to say Fisher. No, it wasn't Fisher. I can't remember the name. But uh, yeah, he looks like a promising youngster. Hunter Hill, promising youngster. So I think I'd go with all these lads. I, I really like the winger, um, o- uh, Obertim 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 Boye. Yeah, he's got really. Like, Bratimi re- Shagan is rapid. So I actually yeah, yeah because Shagan came on to replace the guy who you mentioned before. Yeah. But I quite like him. He's got he's got a nice mm. style. Uh, Worcester against Bath, the last game on Saturday. Uh, give me Worcester. Bath do lose a fair few players. Yeah, Underhill, Valatel will be back. Yeah, Worcester, fine. And then on Sunday, Northampton... Bristol Bears... Oh, actually, no. Yes, Bristol Bears don't lose a single person to England. On Sunday, Northampton, Bristol. Mm. Bristol fully loaded. Fully loaded. Saints missing not a f- fully loaded. Yeah, missing a few, a few important players. Yeah, Bristol. Give me Bristol. I could see Bristol sneaking that one. So what would that mean for Bristol then? Would they be top three still? Or would they be top three? Or are they even top three? They would be... Well, They nor- would go to top four. They're fifth at the moment. Well, depending on Gloucester's result. Yeah. If, if Gloucester didn't oh, win... Oh, yeah, true. And Bristol did, they would go into the top four. And yeah, Bristol could overtake Sale if Sale lose. 
Yeah. Settle on losing this weekend. Excellent stuff. And then there's... Saracen's on minus 77 points. Obviously, there's Pro 14 games and stuff as well, but they won't have any internationals in, so... Yeah, it's very very different com- co- uh, competition than the Pro 14, though. And Super Rugby. Have you caught any of the Super Rugby? I've seen bits of it. I caught a bit of the... Um, the Haguaris against my beloved Hurricanes last night. Who won? Hurricanes. Was it? Last, oh, last, last night. Was that? Was this late night? Late, late night rugby. Yeah, eleven I o'clock. Love late night rugby. Late, late night Saturday rugby. After you had a few beers down, down the club, you come in. You maybe may, might even bring back my little Chinese. <laughs> and well, then Haguaras are, are playing at home is is a wonderful thing. My hand is stained yellow from cooking, well, um, cutting fresh turmeric for my beef rendang Ooh, that how, I how nice. lovingly made. On Saturday evening, while I was having a few beers, and uh, watching Haguaris, watched a bit of the Haguaris towards the end of it. Um, How lovely, uh, Geordie Barrett. So, oh, oh, his he, kick, his kick, unbelievable. His kick was comfortably over sixty meters, comfortably over with 60 the wind meters. or against it. So, I can only assume there must have been a bit of a wind. It, it cannot have been against the yeah, wind. Yeah, no, no. There is a clip on this on Twitter. I didn't see it all because I knew what was going to happen. They're not going to show you a mess, are they? No. But the opening scene were flags going crazy. So, uh, it, well, it must have been with the wind, but it, it was at sea level. It was Buenos Aires. Yeah, I think it was. Um, so, I did check, to, like, where is this being played? Is this being played on top of a mountain? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. enormous because it sailed over. He had another the moon. Ten- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he had another ten meters of distance, but mm. they, they won. Um, Laumapi looking good. Um, Billy Proctor scored a very nice try. Who's Matt Proctor's young brother? I was about to ask that. That was um, disallowed because of a uh, cheating. Gareth Evans pullback. Mm. So yeah, good good win for Hurricanes uh, yeah. after he got uh, so I, last I, week. I just completely zoned out there. I didn't know if you, you mentioned it, but Joe Marchant, try on debut. Oh, oh, not, oh not debut. Not debut. Not debut. Second game. But try. Um, Jamie Roberts scored a, or got awarded a try uh, through all the official places, which he has disowned because it was a try, and I read to see how far he crashed over from. And it was zero yards because he joined the back of a mall, a rolling mall, got a, um, credited with the try and then said it wasn't me. The hooker kept hold of it. Oh, really? Not, my, so not who, my try. Who gets it? The hook, whoever was playing hooker. He didn't team, want, team try. He didn't, want, try. He didn't, want, try. The, he didn't want the carry because he didn't want to negatively affect his three yards per carry. Precisely. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Oh, excellent. Right. That's a bumper podcast. It is. Any, more, any other business? There is mm. some Major League Rugby. I've oh, not yeah. watched anything. The only thing I saw was the Raptors shirt, which I quite liked. The yeah, it blue, looks a bit like feathers. Chicago, doesn't it? Because that's C. Next weekend yeah. they've got their Vegas thing with a bunch of the teams playing in Vegas, which, oh, would, which would have been cool. That would have been cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. So many good rugby opportunities out there. We're stuck in, stuck in Manchester. In a basement. In a subterranean basement. hellhole. Yeah, exactly. With JB lounging like he's in a film. Yeah, well, let's leave it on that wonderful note, shall we? <laughs> where, can, where can everyone find us, Tim? You can find us at Rugby Podcast. Come and join the cesspit on Twitter. He's no, at, don't at, join Twitter. At, at, no, Stay don't. Stay away. Do you know what? I, I need to give it up. <laughs> but nevertheless, while I am still there... <laughs> you love it. Yeah. In the swamp, I'm at Cocker. He's at Jay Beardmore oh, and Phil is lurking. And last thing, thank you for Joseph Ry- to Joseph Riley, who was the English teacher who provide, provided me with all those... Synonyms. 
Captivating words. Yeah. <laughs> Expanded your lexicon. <laughs> yes, Wonderful. it was enthralling. Wonderful. <laughs> Fascinating. Right, let the boys Riveting. Play. Riveting. Arousing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.